All right. Be prepared for a lot of double talking jive on episode 66 of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. As you can tell, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus from hosting the show the past couple of episodes. Matt and James have done a great job in my stead. So I figured since I'm now a stranger in a strange land, in the land of ice and snow that is Texas, while I am recording this, and I am unable to work this week because of this, what better time for me to get back, back in the saddle again. That's for my uh, Aerosmith fans out there. (laughs) That's probably the worst rendition of... uh, Steven Tyler ever made, right? Okay. Okay. I'd like to share a few things quickly. First off, if you have not heard, I'm taking my wife on an anniversary trip in the next couple of months, and I'm planning on recording an episode of Ask Uncle Steve from a very special location with my wife. And maybe, just maybe she'll answer a question or two, but at least she is going to participate. So here's what I need you to do. Email me your questions to ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com so I can have them all in one spot. Now, I will reveal the special location we will be a little later. But please send me any questions you would like answered. Almost nothing is off limits, but please don't send me the almost nothing questions. (laughs) Okay. Now, the real reason you're here today is to hear my discussion with everybody's favorite podcaster, one half of Talking Maiden. No, it's not Josh. He's not doing podcasts right now. Seriously, I have got Super Iron Maiden as well as Super Guns N' Roses fan Nesbitt from Talking Maiden as well as from the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. And I also have a member of the Irish Mafia from the Feckin' Metal podcast. Uh, We refer to him as uh, Feckin', Fergal, or Trainer, in any order. I've got him with me as well. He's also a huge Maiden and GNR fan. And lastly, there's me, the Master of Ceremonies, the third wheel in this Guns N' Roses fan fest. I bet you are excited, right? You should be. Well, just you wait. heard Mr. Lawless. This is where we celebrate those who participated. Or as he said it, audience participation. So, 
people that shared the epic battle of peace of mind and the number of the beast between my friend who hosted the show last week, Mr. James Fraser in New Zealand, and myself. This episode was shared by the following kind souls, maybe from the Book of Souls. Yeah. Reggie Oz in Melbourne, Australia. The Weekend Warrior in Victoria, Australia. Luis Mariano in Venezuela. Kirsty Prince in Perth, Australia. That's a lot of us. Australia, Australia, Venezuela. Hedard Ferran in Montreal, Canada. <laughs> the Sassanac in Falkirk, my buddy Andy. The Liverpool Scousers, Stephanie Jangray and Don McIntyre. And lastly, by Distortion, Iron Maiden first album. Now, a quick check on this person shows that his icon and sub-account name are his favorite album lately, and the icon is a picture of Eddie from the first album, too. So, we can all like that. So, to each and every one of you, thank you very much for sharing. Now, let's get to what you came here for, my conversation with Trainer and Nesbitt. All right, welcome to another edition of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Today, I have a couple of guests with me, and we are doing something that one of them said they would never do, which you'll figure out here in a second. But what we're going to do is we're taking the two Use Your Illusion albums, and we are going to make them one great album instead of two albums with a good bit of filler, which I'm sure my guests might disagree with me on that too. But um, my first guest is. I, I get it. I, I hear people say this a lot. They'll say all roads lead back to Talking Maiden. So uh, I have Nesbit from Talking Maiden. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. All right. All right. Yeah. And, and then my next guest is another podcaster uh, from Ireland. Uh, goes by the name of Feck. I mean, uh, Trainer. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thanks. You can call me Fergal as well if you want, but whatever. <laughs> can I call you Feckin? <laughs> You can call me Feckin' if if it if it warms your heart. You can call it me warms my it, it warms it warms my heart. <laughs> okay, so what we're gonna do though is we're gonna go through each song, and I I think I told um, trainer I think I told you this that it was great to have Nesbit on the call with us because he's he's a he's a mastermind at just coming up with um, how to do a podcast and how to format everything. So, so this was all the formatting of this was, uh, was Nesbitt's idea, but I got it. Yep. And I want to add this because you had an episode and on your episode, you were talking about these albums and you said you would never do an album. You would never combine both of them into one album. And I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> so I sent you a message. Yeah. I sent you a message and you were like, 
oh, I actually mentioned that I would never do that on my podcast. And then you said, but I'll do it. <laughs> so. Well, do you know what? I did mention it, but it was more of a throwaway intro kind of okay. bit at the start. I just had happened to be listening to them at the time or something. And I, what, I, what I really meant is that I would never have, if I were the band, I would never have oh. to release a single album of all the best bits and, and throw away the, the other half of the music. But um, since you did say it to me, I said, well, that actually might be a, a, a decent challenge yeah. to... Uh, to combine the best tracks in my own head onto one single CD, even though I'm actually cutting out songs that are some of my favorite songs ever of all time in order to do this. So it's a very difficult task, but it's, it's a very challenging task. So yeah, I did say I'd never do it, but then you asked. So yeah, I'm doing it. Cool. It was pretty hard. There's a lot of uh, tough decisions to be made doing this, but I think there's a lot of, uh, there is some filler on this album, some bloat and, uh, you know, when yeah. you trim the fat, you can really see there's a, a good solid album in here. Between oh, these yeah. two, I think. Oh yeah, especially my world. That's a, uh, I mean, that's an all-time <laughs> classic. <laughs> we can do a You're separate episode on my world. So. Spoilers. Fekin, I want to hear, I want to hear Nesbitt's thirty-six minute version of my world. You know, he makes those long songs. So, okay, so we'll go. Before we start, I'll just tell you one thing. Really funny is. I was listening to these albums this morning, and I got in the shower like an hour ago, and I have a a Bluetooth speaker, a waterproof one that's in the shower, so I can listen to music when I'm in there, and yeah. I put on the Don't Cry alternate lyrics to listen to, because uh-huh. I was like, I haven't listened to this for a while. I had that on when I was in the shower, uh-huh. and it was re- coming to the end of the song, and I was still in the shower, and I realized my world was going to kick in, and I was like, <laughs> never in more of a hurry to get out of the shower <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so spoiler alert I don't like that it's, wh- uh, it's when that comes on it's almost offensive it's like you want to step in you're like no stop yeah, no, 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 I don't, don't want to step into I your I don't want to step in there to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, alright we got a lot of tracks to get through does, yeah, does uh, one of you have every track pulled up because I have mine what I have pulled up is the um, my list you know what I'll go over here and I'll pull mine I have, up I have notes on every Since... single track in front of me here Oh, I do too. I, oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess that would help. Let me pull my notes up. Uh, let me get up here. You probably hear a lot of rustling of paper in the background in my feed. Apologies about that. Oh, but, um, mine's all. I have all mine on a computer sheet. So um, uh, let's see here. What was I going to? Um, hey, actually, let me read a couple of quick things that I, I mean, these are on Wikipedia, so anyone can read them, but just a few things that I read on the album. Um, so a couple of statements. One was is something Izzy Stradlin said. He, he was talking about Stephen Adler. And he said, Adler's sense of swing was the push and pull that gave the songs their feel. When that was that's gone. That's totally true. Do what? I said, that's totally true. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he said, when that was gone, it was just unbelievable, weird. Nothing worked. I would have preferred to continue with Steve, but we had two years off and we couldn't wait any longer. I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, let's see here. Another another statement or not a statement, but something I read on here. I didn't. I'm sure Nesbitt knows this, and he probably has this in his notes already to say on the show. But it said a number of songs on the album were written in the band's early days, as can be found on the popular album of the early demo tapes known as the Rumbo Tapes. Do you have that, Nesbitt? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so back off. Bad obsession. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. Referred to as Rose. Referred to by Rose as the first song they ever wrote together. November Rain and The Garden are considered a part of this group. So, And the last statement I'll read. Slash has stated that a great deal of material for the album was written on acoustic guitars in a couple of nights at his house after several months of non-productivity, which I thought it's kind of obvious on some of these songs, right? <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. Okay, And then it said, uh, 
Okay. And it said Use Your Illusion 2 featured more tracks that were written during and after Appetite. So I guess the first album has more of the the songs that are early stuff. So, But let's get into it first. Just go right into it here. We got uh, the lead track off the first album. is called Right Next Door to Hell. And Trainer, I'm going to let you uh, give us your impression of that one first. Sure, yeah. So I've decided not to include this in my compilation, but I have said that it has a really nice bass intro. I love the opening line, take a nicotine, caffeine, sugar fix. Uh, I can relate to that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I said it's a, it's a bit throwaway, but only in the context of the fact that it's alongside some of the greatest rock music ever written. Good lyrics, but there are better to be found on the album elsewhere. True, true. Nesbitt? Yeah, I picked this one. This one did make my cut. It's the opening of my one CD version of the Use Your Illusions. This is the opening track. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree. The lyrics are cool. The times are hard and thrills are cheaper. Your arms get shorter and your pockets get deeper. Pockets That's get cool deeper. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's high energy. It's a great opener. Yeah, yeah. It's no welcome to the jungle. Like it pales. Sh- like, oh, yeah. But I mean, I think it's a good one to kick off the album. So I yeah. picked it. And and I was gonna I wanted to I was gonna mention who wrote the songs too. Uh, this one was written by Axel Izzy and someone named Timo Catillo. Which any idea he, who he is? He played in Hanoi Rocks, and oh, okay. actually Izzy Izzy went over to his apartment and visited him, and he was playing this riff on his guitar. Oh wow! And Izzy kind of took the riff with permission, sure, and used it to write the song. And uh, I also heard that this guy. He still gets royalties for this song from the album, and he used his royalties to buy a house. So. Wow, that's incredible! <laughs> one, one, one song that he was the third writer, or, or actually, you know, one of one of three. Golly, uh, isn't that insane? Like, I, I love hearing stories like that. Like uh, Brian Tatler living off the royalties for the songs Metallica recorded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Garage Inc. Like for the rest of his life, it's just insane when you think about it. It's cool. and, and Axel also came up with these lyrics because he was in a fight with his neighbor. I read that. Bottle ladder. Yeah. And then uh, MTV yeah. had a contest called Evict Axel Rose where you could like, I don't know, you win his apartment or you get to stay in it for a year or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. That was funny. Now, so. and Feckin, this is why you have uh, Nesbitt on because he's going to have a story like this for every song probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Now that's for fine. me. That's that's what he adds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like, uh, I said this, I said it, the bass intro is really cool. The guitar sounds wicked, which is going to be a, a theme throughout this entire album. Axel sounds good. He's really aggressive. Um, this is not a bad song, but it's not a go-to for me. Musically, this song's rock. This song rocks. I don't love super super aggressive Axel, which is most of the time. But this did make my one CD album as well as my opening track too. So I left everything in order pretty much because yeah, I, I figure it was done by professionals. I can't get okay. it any better. <laughs> Now, mm. um, the next song is Dust and Bones, which was written by Slash, Izzy, and Duff. Uh, Nesbitt, what do you think of that? Uh, I love the song. Um, I love hearing Izzy doing lead vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a, it's a, this is what Izzy brings to the band, right, is that kind of groove. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it didn't make this cut only because there wasn't enough space. I do love the song, though. It's cool. I mm. love these Izzy things. Like This was written by Slash and Izzy at a rehearsal when Axel didn't show up. So, <laughs> which yeah. which was probably frequent. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he says he left it out back on the highway on 65. Yeah. Mm. So that is the I-65, and that's the highway that runs through Lafayette, Indiana. That's where oh, Izzy wow. and Axel are from. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Now, that's where him and Axel are from, yeah? Yeah. 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 Trainer? 
I said uh, I love this song. Uh, I think this is the first time we get Izzy doing lead vocals in Guns N' Roses, but there would be more of them on these two albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how, how his vocals sound, uh, and I love the chorus and pre-chorus. It's a great song. It's proper LA sleaze, and I said I'd like the little nods to "It's So Easy," um, which feature in the lyrics. Uh, I said it's a really good song overall, a great mid-paced solo, but it didn't make my cut. I'm afraid because of the fact that it's four minutes and fifty-eight that I just didn't have to spare at the end. Uh, so okay. <laughs> it didn't make it. But but it's, it's a and it, Example of a song that I really loved that I just couldn't include for space restrictions. Okay, okay. I said, you know, you go out of uh, right next door to Hill into this, it's a total 180, you know. But I said, it's, it's got a real nice groove. The piano sounds cool. I, I like Izzy because he's really laid back on the vocals. I like this song a lot. I said, uh, the background vocals on the chorus, uh, way too much of Axel's voice. I think they should have brought it down. He seems like he tries really, really hard to be everywhere on, you know, every little. Sp- he's like He's like a dental singer. You know, if there's an empty space, he thinks he needs to fill it. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Like a, <laughs> but um, I, I like the, uh, the you know, the, um, the part in the song where they say you get out on your own and you take all that you own, that whole part. That's really cool. This is a fun listen. I really like this one, and I did include this one. You're, you'll probably not like something I cut out later on to make room for some of these things. But, you know, they got so many songs that are so long that... Yeah. I know. It's really hard to make a playlist out of all these songs that fits onto one CD and you have to make some pretty tough decisions. It yeah. killed me to cut this one because I love Izzy Stradlin. He's one of my favorite things with the band. And oh, uh, yeah. this is such an Izzy song that like I love his Juju Hound stuff and his, you know, his solo. If you've ever listened to his solo stuff, it's all pretty good. I I, I have it all, but I just, I never got into it. I probably should try again because I, I'm with you on that. I think he's, when he left the band, uh, and I did. I saw. I saw the Use Your Illusion tour twice, and the first time Izzy was still there, and the second time it was Gilby Clark. So, but losing him is like losing Steven in a way. So, yeah. Well, I think too when he left, it became Axel's band. You know what I mean? That's the, right. the takeover was complete. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next song is Live and Let Die, which was written by Paul and Linda McCartney. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I used to not like this song, but. Like listening to it more recently, I I really really like it. I think it's a great song. It was obviously written by one of the Beatles, um, and so it's probably one of the best written songs on the album. You know, and not to discount what GNR does, but uh, and I'm and this is something I'm going to say over and over and over and over. But um, Slash sounds incredible. <laughs> it's the way he's good. His the tone he has. I don't know if that's the way to use the word, but it, it bites so hard. Yeah, I know mm. when he kicks into that like slow solo. The uh... yeah. Yeah, his it, his tone is awesome. Yeah, his his lead his lead guitar speaks for itself. I mean, every every song I think there's never anything out of place. Anything, nothing that seems like he forced something more that shouldn't have been there. It's just like killer. But I also included this one on my Use Your Illusion album. So, uh, Nesbit, what about you? So I used to love the song when the albums came out, mm-hmm. um, and but then you had to kill it. but i loved everything guns and roses right like so i loved all the stuff um now listening back i don't think it aged very well at all so i'm kind of the opposite of you i don't like i don't like the original um i don't know i found it hard to even get through the song now listening to it so it absolutely did not make my cut i just i don't know what it is i just yeah listen i'm listening through it and i'm just shut i hit skip like halfway through i find it painful See, that's the opposite wow. of me because I used to not listen to it. And now when I hear it, I want to listen to it. So what about uh trainer? What about you? 
I said I love, in capitals, Axel's vocals and piano here. This is iconic Guns N' Roses, even though it's a cover. Yeah. Fantastic guitar and anthem, and it's definitely made the cut for me. So that's the first one so far that's made the cut. Uh, I think it's way better than the original song, and I think it's a, a song, even though it's a cover, that the Guns N' Roses version is very much theirs. They own it. And okay. It's, 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 to me, it's, it's a perfect slice of how they sounded back in 1991. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know that I've probably ever heard I guess I've heard the original, but I'm, you know, I probably wouldn't have paid a lot of attention to it. But either way, um, the next one, next song up here is Don't Cry, the original. And Fergal, what do you think of that? I notice I've got three names. You do. This is interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to work everything in here. <laughs> um, I have said no. And this was a tough one. Um, okay. It was hard for me not to include this. Great song, but no. We'll be clear later. That's what I've said. So uh, you can you can guess. <laughs> where that's going okay that's cool that's cool uh nesbitt uh i had to include this one this is uh yeah i mean i mean this goes back to 85 and they had it for the appetite for destruction album and axel said he wanted to like hold on to it for the next album and i love shannon hoon's harmonies in this mm-hmm. and i mean the video the whole thing it's just like it's pure like 90s guns and roses and uh it's the first song in the trilogy of that Dell James without you based on that story. And mm. it's, uh, I don't know. This is what I think. This is iconic Guns N' Roses. I don't know how you can cut this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a perfectly constructed ballad. It goes through those like mellow parts. And then when it ramps up to the solo, it, it oh, like yeah. defines what makes a power, uh, what makes a ballad, a power ballad. It's like, and the solo is a hundred percent classic. It's just, I don't know. I had to include this one. It's like one of, oh, it was one of the first ones I decided would had to go into the album. I have my reasons, Nesbitt. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. For me, I like this song. I think Axel's vocals are great when they're when they're like pulled back that way. I think he sounds really good. Um, this will give a hint for later too. But these are the lyrics I'm used to hearing, and so that helps for me probably liking it more than the alternative version. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's a it's a great great ballad. The guitar solo, like you said, phenomenal. The rhythm guitar sounds incredible too. And I always attribute all the rhythms. I attribute everything to Slash's guitar sound, but maybe Izzy has the same tone on some of that rhythm stuff. Um, the only only negative thing I could say about this song is I don't like <clears throat> the very very end where his long long drawn out I I I all that thing that, <laughs> I, I said more overindulgence by Axel but this also so I'm four for four right now this one did make my album yeah so um the next song <laughs> perfect crime um Nesbit what do you think about perfect crime um it's the shortest song on the album the shortest real song on the album not including <laughs> my <laughs> and I mean this also dates back to pre-appetite, but like it's kind of cool. It has a great solo, but I mean it's kind of simple. Nothing really classic about it. It didn't make my cut. Yeah, I do love it though. But yeah, yeah, trainer. I said I really like it. I love the lyrics. It's like a, a I, my take on it is that it's a glimpse into a possible future, becoming a homeless bum, like throwing everything away. <laughs> um, I love Slash's solo work on it. I said, this should have opened the album. It's the song that Right Next Door to Hell is trying to be. Mm. Um, and I had, had had initially included it as track one on my compilation. But when I reviewed everything at the end, because I was several minutes over, I actually ended up cutting it. So mm. it didn't make the cut second time around. So it hasn't made the cut for me, but I do like it. And I like it better than Right Next Door to Hell. Nesbitt, he said he, he likes the lyrics. Let me recite some of the lyrics real quick. I got one set of lyrics written down here for you. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually wrote down that was also a contributory factor about why I cut it because yeah. I hate that part. Of it. Yeah, I can't stand it. yeah. I didn't say a lot about this song. I've never, I've never. I bought this. I went to a record store at midnight and bought this album the day it came out. Um, I said over aggressive Axel. I don't like this one. I said the lyrics are funny though, and then <laughs> you'll like this uh, trainer. This song sucks to me, <laughs> but and then I but I said but I've never written one this good. <laughs> okay, I like so, the way it uh, ends. I like, like the way Axel like ends the song with those high pitched vocals. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but it's kind of forgettable. I think, yeah. Now this is the and that's the first song that I did not include on mine from uh, from how yeah it's the first one I didn't include so far. So let's get to the second one I didn't include. It's called "You Ain't the First. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of notes here either. I said, I mean, you know what? I will say this. It's not a bad listen. It's interesting. Yeah. The way it starts off, it's just, this sounds like, to me, this seems like one of the songs that they wrote last minute that just, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's throw it on there. Um, yeah. I, I just said, this should have been left off the album. It seems like an afterthought. Um, it's not a bad listen, but it's not what I want from Guns N' Roses either. So, uh, Nesbitt? Yeah, I think you're right. This would have been a cool B-side on something. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's kind of cool to, I don't know. I, again, I'm a sucker for Izzy. So Izzy, yeah, yeah. This is pure Izzy, man. And Shannon Hoon does harmonies on this too from Blind uh-huh. Melon. So okay. uh, his voice sounds pretty cool on there. But uh, yeah, I, I like it, but I, it didn't make the cut for me. This is kind of, yeah, a bit of the filler. Not filler, but like kind of bloat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Feckin'. Yeah, I, this one was, um, I was on the fence about this one, so I just gave it a question mark in my first run through, but it didn't end up making the cut for me either. I said it's very Rolling Stones-esque. It's like a Izzy's kind of tribute to the Rolling Stones, circa like Sticky Fingers type of era. Uh, nice for variety, but not the top tier, even though, again, I do really like it. I would never skip it. Uh, very catchy, nice for variety, but it didn't make my cut. Yeah, it is catchy for sure. And there's, yeah, there's a couple of the songs on here that I'd, I'm not a big Rolling Stones guy, so it has to be very, very obvious. So when you say Sticky Fingers, I've heard of it, but I've probably never listened to it. I'm just never, never really got into them too much. But I think that's well, a very kind of good a uh, country observation, though. The, that does it does. Now that you say that, it's 100. percent I agree with you, but it never occurred to me <laughs> yeah. until you said that. Cool. Oh, now although if it's Stones and it's Izzy, like I think Izzy's like you know his whole yeah. thing is Stones sound. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Completely. Okay, so speaking of another song that I think sounds like the Rolling Stones, Bad Obsession. And Nesbitt, what do you think? Um, Not a huge fan of this one. <clears throat> it's got, yeah, cool slide guitar, but it's kind of boring. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. There's a demo of this with Izzy on the vocals, which is kind of cool. But Oh, cool. It, uh, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. He wrote this with like, Okay, he wrote this with West Arkeen, who was like Duff's neighbor in L.A. when the band was starting out. Yeah. He helped write a bunch of Guns N' Roses songs, and he wrote a bunch of songs for Duff's first solo album, which is not a very good album. <laughs> yeah. And here's an Iron Maiden connection. I'm very, I have uh-uh. to always bring one in. Yes. Oh, yes. West Arkeen wrote a song for the band Phantom Blue. Phantom Blue's drummer is Linda McDonald, who's in who's the Iron yeah. Maidens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. That's, yeah, that's a flimsy connection. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's like, like, the, that's like the, seven, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever there. Clutching yeah. at straws, but I appreciate I it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it didn't make my cut. Not a huge fan of it. It's kind of a boring song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about you, Trainer? 
Uh, I said I do like this song. Uh, it's a great heavy riff. Uh, after the kind of hoedown part at start, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, a bit too hoedown-y. Um, he calls his mother a see you next Tuesday. First usage of that uh, word, I think, in a Guns N' Roses song yeah. um, that I remember. Um, I had to take a second. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I had to take a second. Don't know, I don't know what I'm saying there. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, the song is basically about heroin. And uh, it's so on the nose that it's like just two on the nose. Like Mr. Brownstone was kind of poetic and mysterious. You had to read between the lines. Whereas this is, they might have as well have called it heroin in capital letters with an exclamation mark on it. Mm. Like, so <laughs> I, they'd lost the kind of poetry of, of Mr. Brownstone and they were just addressing it head on. And I think it's too much on the nose. And for that reason, it's not included in my compilation. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is a song that back in the day I never liked. Um, it, it starts... There, it's probably the, it's the only song I know of by GNR that starts with a cowbell and harmonica. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> Slash's guitar tone is, uh, again, great. Uh, there's piano. I, I said, what a great vibe. I said, all they're missing is Steven. Um, I don't mind when Axel sings like this. I think it's pretty cool. But today, listening to it, and this is one that I would have skipped forever, but now I think this is a great song. I like the line, uh, and I won't say it all, but you'll know where I'm going when he goes, too bad, you're, you know. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that line just makes me laugh. You know, there's a lot of those little lines that are just funny. Yeah. Um, this song is a little cheesy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little mm, cheesy. Uh, I, I said, I could honestly do without the piano, but it doesn't hurt. And this did make the cut for me. <laughs> okay. Wow. Obsession. I'm going to be pissing you guys off here in a little bit uh, about some things that didn't make the cut. But uh, <laughs> so well, one thing I wanted to say about West Arkeen before we move on is um, I know his his name pops up in credits for a couple of these songs. And uh, Slash, when he did the first Slash's Snake Bit album, had a song called Beggars and Hangers On. And West Arkeen always strikes me as one of those beggars and hangers on, just hanging around Guns N' Roses, getting his name, uh, mm. getting a writing credit for the odd song here and there. But like, what, did he play anything? Did he do anything? Or did he just hang around with the band? He he actually had a, I, I mean I just read this the other night but he, he actually did a, had a have a band and I think most of Guns N' Roses I think Izzy played on the album uh, there was I think Slash Duff okay. and Axel all you know either wrote or played on it and but it, they even there's even a quote there that said that Axel wanted to add him as a third guitar player in the band because he was such a prolific songwriter is what I read so. <laughs> Right, okay. Nesbitt right. can probably confirm that or deny that, right? <laughs> uh, I think I have heard that before. I can't remember. It's on Wikipedia, so it's got to be yeah, true, I, right? Yeah, I've read the Wikipedia. It sounds familiar. <laughs> okay, okay. So the next song here is uh, everybody's favorite, Back Off. So, um, Trainer, how do you feel about this one? Uh, yeah, this 100% is included in my compilation. And I actually opened my, my CD with this. Oh, cool. I think it's a- Unbelievable Guns N' Roses song. Um, menacing riff, ra- raspy Axel at his best. Um, I think at, at the singer from Primordial, Alan Averill, once called, called the Wasp song Animal the anti-emasculation anthem. And I think this is a strong contender for anti-emasculation anthem as well. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Axel just spitting vitriol at some woman who's done him wrong. Uh, it feels dangerous, not homogenized. Um, you get a rare writing credit for Paul Tobias as well. Uh, who Slash once described as a bedroom guitarist. It's a note of <laughs> trivia there. But uh, yeah, I think this is a fantastic song and it's definitely in my, it makes my cut. Slash okay. also called him, I think, the Yoko Ono of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> that's 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 is, uh, I guess it depends on who you are to know if that's a compliment or not. So <laughs> I doubt it is though. Um, what do you think, Nesbitt? This one hundred percent made my my mix too. Like uh, I think it's classic Guns and Roses, classic Axel. Um, yeah, great. I just uh, I love everything about this song. It's pure Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, same here. It made my cut as well. I said the guitar sounds great right off the bat. There's a nice buildup and the riff and the rhythm. Oh, man, that riff is so good. Um, I like the verses. I like the pre-chorus. I like the chorus. Everything's great. And he's got that. Axel has that really. He's just got that nasty tone in his voice. There's nasty tone in the guitars. And then it's a killer song. And I, I like that thing where he just does that. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, uh, oh, that whole thing. That's really. Yeah, cool that's too. amazing. Yeah. That's really cool, too. So the next song is another uh, Izzy lead vocal, Double Talking Jive. Um, I'll go on this one here. It, it starts with the bass and drums, and then that riff comes in. That's a really cool riff, and then the bass sounds really nasty, too. Um, I love I love the – like, I'm with, I'm with you, uh, Nesbitt. I love when Izzy sings. Um, he just seems to have – he seems to be a supernatural great songwriter. Um Another one of these overindulgent Axel things, though, the whole, you know, that whole no more patience, man. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. God, that's annoying. It's, it's cheesy, but it works on the song. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't make me hate the song, that's for sure, but it's funny. Um, the, the solo, the guitar solo that kind of fades out, it fits so good. Um, and I'll, I'll say this about the drumming is good on this song, but to me, and I know we probably all agree on this, but Matt Sorum... He's a great drummer, don't get me wrong, but he just seems robotic and very like you you expect everything from like the next song is going to have the most overused drum fill he did on anything. But um I do like this song's a lot. I, uh, I do like this song a lot and the drums really sound big on this song too. And I said the ending is a nice lead in to the follow-up, so definitely definitely made my album. At one point this was my uh no no, this was not my opener, never mind. Go ahead uh Nesbitt, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, well, this definitely made my uh, my cut. Uh, I love the song. A super cool, dark riff. Oh, yeah. Slash's soloing is amazing. I wish the electric solo would go on and not fade into that flamenco guitar thing. Yeah. It's kind of cool, but I just love that whole outro, the electric part especially. It's, oh, this is great. Especially when they, I live, they would stretch it out really long. and it was Yeah, awesome that's what song. I heard. Yeah. I probably yeah. saw it that way. I don't remember, though. Uh, what do you think, Feckin'? I really like the song, and this was a hard one to cut, but it did have to get oh cut. Afraid, um, I, oh I love the lyrics and the guitar. Um, I, t- I said it's snappy; it's kind of a change of pace. Uh, I love the Spanish guitar at the end; it's unique and stands out. Kind of reminds me of the end of um, the song "Heaven and Hell" by Black Sabbath. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I just I really like it, but um, I don't know. It, I, there, there were just too many other good songs that took its place but i really like it and it's always good live um i do remember enjoying it on those use your illusion albums and i think i saw the band play it live at least once as well so yeah it's a good song but didn't make the cut for me i'm starting to think that uh feckin i'm starting to think that your album should be called use your illusion 2 and a couple stragglers <laughs> <laughs> well no not quite we're not we're not finished yet not yeah, finished yet. halfway through <laughs> god golly Okay, the next song was... It says the man who put the first four tracks of Use Your Illusion 1 on his. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there's a, pretty, there's a pretty even... There's a pretty. I think there's a pretty even split, but we'll find out for sure here. Um, next song up is 
I think what I read was the longest song to ever make it into the Billboard Top 10, November Rain. So, uh, Mr. Trainer, what do you think? Uh, with me, there was never any question about this. It's a beautifully realized ballad. It's Axel's magnum opus, uh, perfect synth and orchestration. My favorite Axel Rose vocals ever. I love mm. the structure of the song. Iconic, uh, iconic guitar. Best on the album, best on either album, I think. Uh, so, yes, it, this one makes the cut for me. Okay. Nesbitt? Oh, yeah, I had to put this one on, man. This is like the ultimate Guns N' Roses ballad. And, I mean, the video, Stephanie Seymour, she, I had like, she's my ultimate 90s crush. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, <laughs> exactly. and she's like, uh, or it's, it's based on that story Without You by Del James. So, it's part of that trilogy again. And... uh I mean, every, this is like Axel's baby that he had since like, I think 1983. He's yeah. been playing the song around. This song's like one of the oldest Axel songs. And I mean, and it's, he it's had Ax- to be, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry. He had to be talked out of putting it on Appetite for Destruction as well. Yeah. And he, yeah, there's been a couple of demo versions, a piano one, there's an acoustic guitar one. Um, I mean, Axel came up with this song, 100% the vocals, the it's Axel playing all that orchestra is Axel on the synth. He even told Matt Sorm what, fills to use and if you listen the guitar the, the drum fills it's the same fill over and over again oh, yeah. and Don't, axel kind of told him to play that yeah axel's oh, like really? this is how i want you to do i want you to do one fill i want you to do it over and over again it's a certain style that he wanted so oh wow yeah well maybe i have to be a little nicer to uh matt sorum <laughs> my opening statement is the drum roll that sorum does a thousand times he does it on it, a lot of other songs too so yeah but this is like an epic centerpiece of these albums. And uh, Slash's solos on this are oh gosh, some of the incredible. most memorable, classic, unforgettable solos. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had to make it. Okay, I said, this is what I said. I said, it's a very pretty intro. It's a nice song. The the part where uh, he says, it's hard to keep an open heart when even friends seem out to harm you. He sounds, his voice is really, really mm. awesome. Um, I said the first guitar solo and the second one are gorgeous. Just in, like I said, it's, there's nothing that he plays that's out of place on this either of these albums. Really, he's just he seems to pick the right notes at the right times. Um, okay, y'all, brace yourself here. I said to me, this song is a bit over the top and contrived, though. <laughs> I could do without it, um, even really? though it was a hit. I said uh, at 6:48, the song is over. But then they add two more minutes of really, really good music, which could you could really build a whole other song on, which they do a couple different times on this album. But it's I think it just shows how much good music they had sitting around. Um, the whole "Don't you think that you need somebody?" Don't you think yeah. that, you, that that's incredible? I think they should have made another song out of that. Um, and I said that that part "Don't you think that you need somebody?" That's better than the first seven minutes. <laughs> um, I said great song, but I don't want this from Guns N' Roses. So. Oh this, really? Yeah, wow. this song I like. I like a ballad more like "Don't Cry." It seems a little more, um, a little more dark. But um, this isn't what I want from Guns N' Roses. So I hate to tell you this, trainer, because I did see the very tiny tip top of your notes when you took that picture yesterday. This song yeah. did not make the cut for me. <laughs> it, so, so you chose "Bad Obsession" and not "November." <laughs> it, well, and another thing is, you know, like I said, there's so many really long songs that yeah. I just thought. When I was doing my notes, because originally I had this on when I made my initial selections, I, I had this on there, and then I was listening to it in depth and take because you know you said you had ten pages of notes or whatever or or whatever, and I was going okay, I'll, let me no just seven, just seven. So I was like, okay, let me uh, seven pages of notes. 
<laughs> Whatever. Seven deadly sins. Exactly. I was trying to think of a way to tie that together, but that's another. That's a little. I'll throw that in there for a Nesbit. You know, he likes these maiden references. So <laughs> it I is guess funny though to... with November Rain because this one is one of the oldest songs. Like Axel started this way before. You know, this is one of the old oldest songs that Axel Rose has, and it's funny that he had this one all this time, and then Appetite for Destruction came out, mm-hmm. and he had this in his back pocket the whole time because people that's are kind of like. Yeah, and you can see that this is what Axel had in mind for what he wanted to be doing. You know what I mean? But it was kind of, yeah. it was yeah. not until afterwards that he was able to kind of wrestle control of the band. You know what I mean? Because Duff, Matt, and Slash mm. all kind of fought against this song. Really? Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I think it's it's a great song. It's very well written. And... But it's just it's just not what I want from them. And I will say this too, you know, like you said, don't cry in November rain. When I was trying to put my set list together, the first thing I did was I I put um, Appetite for Destruction up, and I was like, because that's you know the one of the best debut albums of by any band ever, and it's obviously their greatest album. So I was like, let me try to match my set list that I put for this album. I want to try to match it up with how that one is set up. But then I'm like. There's nothing lets up on that album, you know. Only yeah. sweet, only sweet child of mine a little bit lets up, and I was like, "There's no way to make, to even make a comparative set list because they got multiple ballads and they've got. There's nothing like that on the first. On the first album is just, uh, just you know, pedal to the metal. So yeah, Appetite's my, I think my favorite album of all time, and I think it's a perfect album and it's perfectly sequenced. I agree. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah. That's an interesting point though, Nesbit. Is that I think this was. Axel's vision for Guns N' Roses the whole time and he just had to get Appetite out of the way almost to get to this point that's wild um, well because like Slash was like you know influenced by the Rolling Stones and Motorhead and stuff like that and Duff was a punk and uh, but Axel was the person who was always listening to like Elton John as well as all that stuff you know yeah uh, so I think I think he always wanted to get here like as you said he had it in his back pocket and if you listen to anything that came out since it's pretty evident that the heavy, hard rock, snappy kind of songs were not as much him as maybe the other people in the band. Yeah. And he was more about the bloated, epic, uh, synthy um, ones like that. Yeah, I think Izzy was the heart and soul of the Guns N' Roses that I loved the most. And when yeah. he came out, it was kind of a, you know, like I said, Axel kind of took control and it became like the Axel Rose show. <laughs> yeah, that's disappointing. But that happens when your whole band's on heroin, so. <laughs> oh man okay so the next song up is the garden and uh i'll take this one first i said the intro is nice uh the acoustic intro is nice and the bass it's a really mellow vibe and this is another one of those songs that was pre-appetite um th- there's the solo before uh before he sings before alice cooper sings is really good um and to me i said alice cooper makes this song um, and when he sings, it's heavier. The parts where uh, Alice Cooper is singing, they they ramp the music up a good bit. And I said he sounds great as always, and he's one of my, you know, top ten guys ever. So, yeah, I know you love Alice Cooper, so yeah. I figured you'd like this one. Yeah, solo section is is great in this song. Uh, great rhythm and soloing. I mean, just the rhythm on this song is killer. Which everything this is is. Uh, you can't get away from that. I it, I haven't listened to these albums in a long time, and the more I was listening to them these last week, couple of weeks, I was just like, it's amazing to me. I never realized how great Slash was at just, you know, I don't like he's not he didn't have the reputation for being the greatest guitarist in the world, but his 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 choices are 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 incredible. So yeah, um, the way he crafts guitar solos, they're yeah, all like 
classics right there. and there are usually first or second takes and he just he has that skill of the perfect solo for the perfect time you know what i mean yeah yeah so the last thing i said was i said having alice cooper makes this an instant addition for me uh and of course alice makes pretty much everything he is on better so um nesbitt what do you think of this song i really like the song um it's funny that they were in the studio and slash Axel was singing the song and Slash told him that he sounded like Alice Cooper. So oh, wow. They asked, they asked Alice Cooper. They called him. Alice Cooper said he'd come in for an hour. He did three takes and then he left because he had a tea time. He had to golf. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, I do like the song. It's pretty cool. Um, it didn't make my cut. I love okay. it, but it didn't make the cut. It's just I don't think it's in that. I don't put it as highly as you. It's, you know, there's a sure, lot of songs sure, better yeah. than this. Yeah. Yeah, and th- and that's that's some of the things. Some of the songs I left off, I felt like, like say the garden. I felt like there probably a song or two, and I'm sure you'll already agree with this that that are better that I will leave off. But yeah. it's just you know, I I just wanted to make it what I like and not yep. you know what like because leaving November Rain on. If you take if they took that off that album, that's a huge huge single. You know, so uh, yeah, I would never th- call this filler or anything. This is a <clears throat> solid song. It yeah, just, I just didn't have the space for it. Right, that makes sense. Fergal, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm similar. I, I, I initially did have it down to be included, but then when I had to review for time, I had to cut it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really good intro. It's kind of dreamy, psychedelic t- kind of intro. Um, it, the song seems like it's about a bad trip to me anyway. Um, and I love the <laughs> Alice Cooper cameo as well. He lends a credibility, definitely. And I just wrote here, Slash is on fire. This song is excellent. Oh, yeah. Right throughout. Um, but it's, it's a, a, a good representation of like, a very very high quality song, but it just shows how high the quality of the rest of the stuff is. That this is the one one of the ones that has to be cut. So yeah, I cut this, but it's I think it's great. Okay, okay. Uh, Garden of Eden is, is. I thought it was funny too that they had the Garden and then Garden of Eden like back to back. Yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Nesbit, what do you think about this one? I like it. It's short. It's fun. The riffing on <clears> it's great. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's. It didn't make my list. It sounds kind of like a throwaway. I mean, it's fun. I like it. I love the way Axel sings the vocals mm-hmm. on this, but uh, it didn't make my cut. Okay. Uh, Fekin? Yeah, I said it. Decent. There's nice chorus and pre-chorus on it. It's kind of punchy guitar, some nice melodies, but overall, it's not up to the quality of the other song, so it didn't make the cut for me either. It's not very memorable, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, the Garden yeah. is far more memorable. Oh, yeah. Um, I said killer guitar tone. I like the aggressive nature, but it gets on my nerves too. Uh, that, that, that would be Axel, you know? So I said, I think the chorus sounds stupid. I said too much Axel nonsense. So this did yeah. not make my cut either. I think uh, they only played it live twice ever. So I don't think they hmm. think of it as a classic either. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Um, okay. Don't damn me. What do you think about this one? Uh, Feckin? Um, I said this is one of my favorites. I love the opening riff. I just I could listen to that over and over yeah. for the rest of my life and never get bored of it. Um, I love the lyrics. It's quintessential neurotic Axel. Definitely making the cut for me. Um, I think Use Your Illusion One excels in these punchy rockers. This is probably the best of the bunch, and yeah, I love it. Okay, Nesbit. I think this is one of the best songs on the two albums. Uh, I don't Ooh. understand why this isn't like huge. It's kind of you never hear people talking about this. It definitely makes the cut. I absolutely love the song. Um, it reminds me, I remember when I had the cassettes of this album and I was in 
whatever high school was I in high school I guess and I remember in my room learning to play the song guitar and just spending hours and hours oh cool and I just love the song love it cool cool uh for me I said great riff to open the song I don't love the verses a lot. I think it's mainly Axel. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's his band, but he, he's usually the thing that makes me not like something. Um, I said the chorus doesn't work a ton for me either. Um, but I do love the part where he says, uh, where it slows down. And he says, I know you don't want to hear me cry. I think that's really, really cool. Um, mm. The solo is good, as is on every other song. And I also like the last bit of the song where he's saying, don't damn me. And the, the, the snare is like doing a double time instead of the single. I think that's really, really cool too. But this did not <laughs> make my cut either. Oh, no. <laughs> I like the song though. I like the song, but it was, I think that was one I actually had. And then I had to uh, eliminate it because of time. So um, next song is Bad Apples. And I'll go first on this one. I don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> Uh, but I said, this song reminds me of the Rolling Stones. Um, not bad, but not one that I like. And I never would go back and seek this song out. Similar to many others on the albums. So this did not make my cut. So Nesbitt, did it make your cut? No, I'm not really a fan of this one. It sounds like an unfinished kind of song. Uh, I don't like the spoken parts that Axel does, the way he sings it. And I really yeah. hate – okay, something about this whole album that annoys me is I really don't like Dizzy Reed and his kind of plinky piano that he puts <laughs> over everything. There's <laughs> a, a lot much. of times on this album where I hear this like a plink tink tink yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. It, it kind of ruins the song for me. I think this yeah. is one of the worst songs on the albums, to be honest. I do not like the song. It definitely did not make my, my cut. Does it remind you of the Rolling Stones or is that just me? And I don't know about the uh, Rolling Stones enough. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, I suppose. Like, does it remind? I see what you mean. That the, yeah. the verses are kind of a bit um, all over the place, which I find with Rolling Stone songs sometimes. I find it hard to get into them because like there's no place yeah. I can hang my hat on. Sure, sure. They're too loose. Yeah. So what do you think yeah. about the? What do you think about the song? Yeah, I think this is a decent groove-based rock song. Uh, I really love the line. You've got to make a living with what you bring yourself to sell. Those are true words. Um, and I, I think the song maybe is, is like about burning the candle at both ends. And I actually wrote down here is about Stephen Adler. Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't. It didn't make my cut. Even though it's okay, it's decent. And when I say okay, like it's okay in comparison, relatively to all the other songs on the album. Like so, it didn't make my cut. But I do. It's it's, it's okay. It's a decent song. But there's nothing. It's not as good as Don't Damn Me, put it that way. Um, and it follows it directly. So yeah. it's, hard to, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard to allow it in. Sure, sure. I, I think this is something else I should have added. This would have made a good D side. <laughs> not a B or a C, but a D side. <laughs> um, the next song is Dead Horse. And Fergal, what do you think of Dead Horse? Yeah, this one makes the cut for me. It's another one of those uh, snappy hard rock songs that there are so many good w- versions of on Use Your Illusion 1. Um, I love the acoustic intro and the scream that follows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, Axel's vocals, I, I think, are fantastic on this song. Some of the best on the entire album. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned so many words and phrases from this, like... Um, you know, when, when Wayne is on this <laughs> podcast and he's talking about looking up things in the dictionary, I actually did that loads with Guns N' Roses when I was younger because there were so many, I, I found Axel's vocabulary was so good um, and he uses so many interesting adjectives and stuff and phrases, but I definitely learned the phrase wet behind the ears. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's common over here. I had, 
I had no idea what that meant, but I had to go and find out. Um, and he, he's speaking like a jaded rock star, like even though he's 28 years old on this. like I just love it. I think it's brilliant and so unique. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, this one makes the cut for me. Yeah, he was a very jaded rock star in uh, 1991 already. So Yeah. What you think is, and, and all this, you know, this came out after uh, all the, uh, oh gosh, what was the, GNR lies and all the, all the you know everything about all the language on on um yeah on that what's that one song called he did uh, I can't remember uh, one in the million yeah all the you know the 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 racial stuff and the the gay slurs and I mean he he pretty much covered everything in that song <laughs> imagine if that came out now <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. there's 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 one part in this as well sorry I meant to say where he starts going I ain't quite what you'd call an old soul. That bit yeah. from that point onwards is just unbelievable. Yeah. Been around this track a couple of times now. The dust. Yeah. Out. I love that whole part. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Nesbitt, what do you oh, think? Oh, this is one of my favorites. This is like one of the top songs on these two albums for me. I love the song. Love the intro. Love the lyrics. Love the chorus. The bridge is amazing. Uh, Axel playing the acoustic guitar is kind of cool. Um, I don't know, man. This is 100% makes the cut for me. Okay. Okay. Next. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not say what I thought about that. Dead horse yeah. for me. I said, I like the acoustic intro. I like the, the sick of this life. Not that you care. I think those are lyrics that everybody can relate to. <laughs> um, I like the chorus of the song. I think the bass sounds really good. I think the guitar sounds really good, which they do. And pretty much uh, that's something I haven't said. Duff's bass. He's just got a really unique bass sound the way it's, it's, I mean, it's even on, you know, the first album too. Killer. He's got a killer bass down. One of the best out there. Um, straight ahead rocker. I like it, but it's not good enough to edge out some of the other tracks that made my cut. So I'm sorry, Nesbitt. <laughs> Dead Horse didn't make my cut either. <laughs> um, now, um, the final song on Use Your Illusion 1 is Coma. Hey, well, let me ask you all this real quick. Which of the covers do you prefer? I mean, they're the same. It's just different colors. But do you prefer the yellowish, orangish, or the bluish one? I prefer Use Your Illusion 1. I had a poster of that on my door, my bedroom door, uh, when I was younger. I had that exact same poster. (laughs) 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 I also had a Guns N' Roses uh, black and white. You know those big silk-screened, like, flags? Yeah, I had one of those on my wall. And I had another one that was them. I can't remember what it was. It was the band... They're standing in front of a – it was a picture of somebody in the electric chair in an electric chair or something. I, Google it. I can't remember okay. exactly what it looks like, but I had like three Guns N' Roses posters at one point on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few. I also had the, the skull in the top hat image that's on the center of User Illusion 2. I love that graphic. Oh, cool. uh, they've, they've put it on loads of T-shirts since, but I had a poster of that one as well. Cool. So you like – so do you like – so you like the uh, User Illusion 1 as well, Nesbitt, better? Are you talking about the albums or the cover? Just the cover. Just the, the cover. cover. I think I like the orange and yellow okay. color. There's more That's, contrast. It, I don't know. The, pops I guess, better. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, you know, kind of like a lot of the songs we're all choosing, I prefer the blue one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so uh, Coma is the last song on the first Use Your Illusion album. So, Nesbitt, how do you feel about Coma? I love Coma. So, this is a, a slash Apparently, Slash says he brought this in pretty much complete. And it used to be called Girth, was that working hmm. title. And it's weird. It's a solo, the, the, or it's a song. It has, like, there's not really a chorus to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super complicated. Izzy Stradlin used to have a chord chart when they played it live. And he used to have to, uh, or Gil, was it Izzy or Gilby? I can't remember. I think it was Gilby. He had a chart 
for the chord changes are so complicated. Yeah. Um, it's a really great song. Um, it didn't make the cut only because with November Rain and Estrange, these really long songs, like this is 10 yeah. minutes, I don't have room for three mega epics on a one CD mix. And I had to cut one and, you know, I had to go with November Rain and Estrange. This one did not make the cut, although I love it. Hey, just, uh, I know you like the uh, Iron Maiden tie-ins, but they have a whole lot of long songs. So that's an Iron Maiden tie-in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really scraping. That's really, <laughs> but it's true. Come on. Uh, I, I've been going first and last, so I'm going to go second on this one. Um, I said I, I like the heartbeat and the bass intro. I think that's really cool. The guitar riff is really cool, but you know when he starts singing, when he starts, hey, you got me in a coma, and that guitar is doing that, dun, 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 dun. And, it, and if you listen on headphones, you know it kind of fades left to right over and over. I said it... Uh, I said it almost is like a stopwatch that's ticking really fast, like ticking the time off your life really quickly because <laughs> it's, mm. you know, about him, you know, and then it goes, there's the part, it's a great song. It goes to the part where there's like, you know, the emergency room kind of knows, hey, we're losing this guy and all that stuff. Um, and then he does that really real, that there's a really cool vocal part right after that where he says, please understand me, but it's really got a yeah. lot of effects on it, but it sounds really, really, really cool. This is not a bad song at all. But the length of it made it not make the cut for me. So, Fekin, what about you? Uh, this is definitely making the cut for me. I said it's the most unique song they've ever done, in my opinion. Um, I think the riffing is really powerful. I wrote down here Tony Iommi-esque. Oh, well, um, yeah. I said that the guitar you were talking about there that backs the verses sounds like something like atmospheric uh, music from the X-Files yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Um, and I said the whole song epitomizes dread and panic musically. It's so atmospheric. Uh, and the last few minutes from the point where he says, you've got a one-way ticket on your last chance ride. It's just like a fever dream for yeah. settling old scores in Axel's life. Uh, I learned so much from this. Uh, crass, stifle. Drop a dime. Didn't know what any of that meant before I heard this song. Uh, I just absolutely love it. Fantastic. Definitely makes the cut for me. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I agree with most of what you said, but I just, I didn't have room for it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had to drop something quite controversially later on, so you'll see what I made space for. Oh, boy. <laughs> or you'll see what I took away to make space for. I can imagine what it's going to be. So, um, so now we'll go straight into the second album, Use Your Losing 2. The first song, Civil War. I've got a good bit to say about this one, so I'm going to go first. Um, this and this is where I apparently started writing down all of the writers. <laughs> I thought I had it on the first one, but uh, this one was written by Axel Slash and Duff. Um, I said the intro is great. You know what the what we've got here is failure to communicate and all that. Perfect, perfect intro. Yep. Uh, the acoustic intro is incredible, freaking awesome. I even like the whistling. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the lyrical content in this song is fantastic. Um, to me, this is one of the best Guns N' Roses songs ever. Um, when Slash comes out, I used to, back in the 90s, I, I remember having a car and I had like these really, really loud, you know, back in the day when we were have these great stereos in our car. And um, I can remember I would crank this up almost full blast. And when that first riff came in where he goes, my hands are tied, that that riff was, mm. that, that guitar chord he hit was so loud and it was so i've always i've always loved that um let's see here i said the soloing in the song you know in between all the different things is incredible uh and i said talking about slashes choosing of notes there which i've already said 
of course, this is the last song that Steven Adler recorded with the band. Um, too bad he couldn't get off drugs. <laughs> um, I said, this may be the best Guns N' Roses song ever recorded. I'm sure that would be open for debate, obviously, but uh, so many songs on their first album are classics too. But I don't think there's a better song on either of the Use Your Illusion albums. So this absolutely 100% made the cut for me. Nesbitt, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I agree. This is one of the best Guns N' Roses songs, I think. this is. I remember when the album wasn't out yet, I bought the cassette single of the You Could Be Mine. It was like a uh-huh. single, and this was the B-side. So I had this oh, cool. and You Could Be Mine before the album came out. Oh, wow. And I remember being in my room and listening to this over and over and over and learning to play it on guitar. Um, yeah, I love the song. This is, yeah, it's great. There's so many cool yeah. parts in it. Yeah. The and, cool and, hand Luke quote at the beginning, and then there's that, like, ah, it's just awesome. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost eight minutes. It's an epic up, uh, it's an epic up there with, like, Estranged and Coma and November Rain, but it doesn't seem like, I don't know. People don't put it up there, even though it's oh, gosh. it's almost eight minutes long. It's I, the I solos are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes the cut for me. It's one of their best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fekin? Uh yeah, I'm gonna echo most of what both of you have said there. I I think it's tied with November Rain um, as the best two songs on on either of the albums. Uh, I absolutely love the intro. It's so emotive. Uh, Slash is effortlessly effortlessly playing some of the best guitar of his career. It just sounds so easy and fluid and natural. <laughs> um, and the line "You wear a black iron band" still gives me goosebumps to this day. I oh, love yeah. it. it. Definitely made the cut. Yeah, this I think lyrically this is one of the best songs lyrically too because it it, it seems like it really is tackling issues. So, but um, next song is "14 Years," which was a Izzy and Axel collaboration what do you think trainer um i'm gonna yeah i I didn't include this one and i'm gonna say i lumped this song yesterday's and so fine in together on this album as the kind of ballady not particularly long similar type of vibe songs and i just didn't have room for them all so this one didn't make the cut for me Mm. but i did say it's a nice boogie-ish vibe it's the right side of rock piano for me, so it, it doesn't cross the line uh, with that Dizzy Reed rock piano. Uh, has a different feel to almost anything else on the album. Really nice vocals by Izzy, uh, but it's uh, it's not making the cut for me, I'm afraid. Hmm, okay. Nesbitt? Um, I like Izzy's voice on this. The piano annoys me. Uh, this is 100% ruined by the piano for me. Uh, and I'm also, <laughs> well, I also said like 14 years in yesterday's. If you're making one CD, we don't need both of those. And yeah. this is the lesser of the two songs. So ah, that gets a cut. I don't really, I do like the song and I used, I don't know. It's funny because if you had to ask me like, you know, back in the nineties about these two 14 albums, years ago. Yeah. I, I would have said every single song on these albums almost <laughs> are like 10 out of 10s. And I would have included this one, but listening to it now, I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's weird. I had some time yeah. since like. I was obsessed with Guns N' Roses and I just loved everything about every song. And now listening back a lot of these songs, I'm like, why did I love the song so much? And this is one of them. I'm like, I can't really get myself back into that place where I love the song. I'm listening to it and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I, I I had to kind of address that myself as well. So when I was kind of ranting on my episode, uh, I was thinking along the same lines and I, had, I hadn't actually sat down and listened to both of these albums straight through one after the other in in a pro- probably about 20 years and i did have to kind of face up to the fact that maybe not all of the songs are as good as they were nostalgically in my head um but uh, yeah, this is one of them 
Yeah, that's 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 the case when you're younger. You 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 hear things differently, and then you get older. Sometimes, and, and, and it goes both ways. Sometimes there are songs that you hate when you're younger, and you hear them when you're older, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" So, um, for me, I said oh, this is a I, I don't know if I said this already, but Axel and Izzy wrote this one. Uh, I said as soon as the piano and Izzy come in, you get that really laid back vibe, which is a Izzy thing. Um, the piano doesn't bother me in this one, I guess just because I love this song so much. Um, I said it's a great one-two punch to open the album. Uh, my my biggest complaint is Axel is way too high in the mix on the chorus. Um, I love the verses. I love the pre-chorus. To me, the we- the chorus is the only weak point, and it's not a bad chorus. It's just that Axel... You know, you know, he was in there to the mixer going, no, 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 I want to be way up, turn it up. And he's more, you know, he, he's got, uh, he's got that musician thing. He goes, Hey, we just need more of me. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, it's a great, great guitar solo in this song as well. I said, I'm a broken record with that, but it's true. So I did include this. So <laughs> good. bit of variety here. Yeah. 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 I, I had a feeling I would be the, uh, the lone man out here because I, just hearing, I know hearing Nesbitt talk about GNR in the past, I knew that he was a bigger fan than me, and I like him, but I don't, you know, no, I don't like him the way I did in 1988 when I first heard him on the radio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. okay, so I think we've touched this one a little bit, but Yesterday's, what do you think about Yesterday's, Nesbitt? Oh, that gets the thumbs up for me. Uh, out of those two songs, like, this is the first superior song to 14 years, I think. Okay, and this this one was written by Axel and uh, West Arkeen, Del James, and Billy McLeod. That's the first time I've seen his name. Yeah, if you search online, there is no references to Billy McLeod anywhere that I could find. I have no idea who that is. It sounds like a made up name. I bet. I, I, I bet he bought a house off this song, though. Probably <laughs> multiple houses. Probably. Um, what do you think? Uh, uh, Fergal, I'm I'm trying to be, work every single one of your names. I'm trying to keep like a rotation going here. <laughs> yeah, I, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have said that I do really like the song. It's a nice melodic rock song. Uh, maybe a hint of Aerosmith in there. I think uh, I'd say it would make the cut if the rest of the other songs I chose weren't so bloody brilliant. So unfortunately, I didn't choose this one either, even though I do really like it. Yeah, this is one. Okay, for me, this is one that I used to not like at all back in the day, but now I think it's really good. Um, I think the verses are good. The pre-chorus is not bad. And and the chorus of uh, when he's like, oh, yesterday's got nothing for me. I really like that. He sounds he sounds really cool on that part. Um, more nice guitar playing as well. It's a good song, but it I, I guess this is one I hadn't chose yet. I Because I had this on my initial cut, but I had to take it off because I needed time. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around how it sounds Aerosmithy. I'm trying to think. Yesterday's? Yeah. I don't know. Do you not think it sounds like an Aerosmith ballad? Oh, maybe like a later Aerosmith. That's another band I I could do like an episode about is Aerosmith. I'm like, I was obsessed with Aerosmith for a while. I think Axel sounds like the audio image, even though that's not a thing, of Stephen Tyler. Yeah, (laughs) no, maybe you're true. Maybe that's true because I kind of checked out at like, you know, the 70s Aerosmith, like, Nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the later stuff, I'm not even familiar with more of the later stuff, but I could see that. Yeah, okay. Well, they they definitely have the. They seem like they have similar um, career trajectory trajectories as far as the way they were just all addicted to drugs in the band. <laughs> yeah, and Slash was obsessed with Aerosmith too. So yeah, and and oddly enough, when I the first time I saw Guns and Roses, they were opening for Aerosmith. So that was a uh, that was a really cool. That was a show. 
uh, I had heard here. I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but the first time I ever heard uh, Guns N' Roses, I think I heard Welcome to the Jungle on just a random rock station. It wasn't being played. It, they hadn't broke. And I remember I went out and, and around this time, there was three bands that all kind of had the similar look and it was Faster Pussycat, LA Guns and Guns N' Roses. And I remember I had I had purchased Faster Pussycat's first album, the first LA Guns, but I had not bought Guns N' Roses yet. And oddly enough, <laughs> Guns N' Roses album like blows both of those other two albums away. But I remember hearing that on the radio and, and I went up and got it and was just blown away by the album. And I can still remember <laughs> driving down the road and hearing um Oh gosh, what is it? Uh, Sweet Child of Mine. The first time I, I can remember exactly where I was in the car. I was with my mom driving by a certain gas station where they live. And I remember hearing uh, Sweet Child of Mine come on the radio. And I just remember freaking out because it was on a popular radio station. I was like, oh my God, they're playing Guns N' Roses. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, no idea that, you know, in a year they're going to be just, you know, blowing the whole world up. But the, when I yeah. when I saw um, Guns N' Roses opening for Aerosmith, it was right when they, it was July of 88, right when they were, blowing up and um wow and it was i mean i, I didn't care le- i could have cared less for aerosmith being there but um i was there to see guns and roses all the way and they they were really 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 good of course with steven adler and izzy and the original lineup without dizzy reed no 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 piano <laughs> everywhere so um but um yeah and they probably played the following song at the show too uh knocking on heaven's door mr trainer how do you feel about knocking on heaven's door and did it make your uh, cut? It didn't make my cut, but I do love the song. I think Slash really shines on this one. Uh, again, he just sounds effortless. Um, but sacrifices have to be made. Sure, this sure. Gets cut, this gets cut in favor uh, of Live and Let Die for me. I, like, if you're going to have... I wouldn't put two covers on a single CD, put it that way. And if you're going to pick one of the two covers, uh, Live and Let Die makes the cut for me. Uh, I like the song, but it's not essential. You like Wasp, though, right? I do. I love Wasp, yeah. You know, Wasp has a single album with two covers, Inside the Electric Circus, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It has that the Who song and what else? Easy Living. Oh, yeah. You're right, Heap. Yeah, Wasp are fond of an L cover. Um, they, they have one on nearly every album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wasp is a band that does great covers, so. Um, yeah. Can I go on a side tangent for like 30 seconds? Absolutely. Here's my rant about the Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits album. How can you put oh, a Greatest yes. Hits album out that has five covers on it? Five cover songs on their greatest hits album. Like, that's ridiculous. I I think they were more so going for songs that were released as singles. And I think all of those covers were released as singles, probably. Sympathy for the Devil definitely was. Knocking on Heaven's Door and Live and Let Die. What were the other ones? Ain't It Fun and Since I Don't Have You. Yeah, they were released as singles as well. I remember that one. I think that's the approach they were going for. Yeah. I still still think it's ridiculous that you're, like, putting five songs. far too heavy. Five covers on your greatest hits album. Like... Come on. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of my rant. <laughs> that's your rant. Okay. That's that's compared to uh compared to Talking Maiden episode, that's a really short rant actually. <laughs> okay. And did you know the person who played bass on Since I Don't Have You? No. <laughs> exactly. It's actually Steve Harris's uncle. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I I was uh I was telling a, a little side, another little side thing here. I was telling Nesbitt, or I, well, I said it on our little chat. I said uh I went and saw the first time I saw Iron Maiden, I saw them. And then two days later, I saw Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses. And, and, and he said something like, Oh, wow, that's really awesome. And I said, Yeah. And I said, Ace Fraley of Kiss was opening. And he was like, Oh, wow. And I said, Yeah, that's back when bands 
actually had other cool opening bands, not when they not when they had the bass player's kids opening for them all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, so knocking on heaven's door for me. It's a. I said, okay. Obviously, it was written by Bob Dylan. It's a classic. I remember hearing this. Do y'all remember that concert that I back in the day they showed it on MTV? They um, it was a just a. I don't. I think it was live. I'm trying to think. Remember what? Somewhere in New York, some place they played in New York. But it was they showed it. I remember hearing this on there and on this studio version. Anyway, that was really cool. But <laughs> so you're um, talking with the live at the Ritz '88. Yes, the Ritz. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of that is peak Guns N' Roses, and that is probably my favorite. Like Guns N' Roses moment. I think that's oh, on yeah. YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. It's like, yeah, it's pretty. Oh, yeah. And then there was an interview where they, I think they inter- they were being interviewed on MTV. I just remember Axel saying something like, we're seeing spaceships landing on stage and stuff. <laughs> it's like, well, what were you on? But, uh, <laughs> um, so, so in this studio version though, I love the beginning when he starts singing and you can hear his low vocals and his high pitched vocals together in the background. I love that stuff. I, they they do it with Bruce a lot on you know Maiden stuff. They do they did it with Blaze even. I love that. Um, and have I mentioned that Slash's soloing is good on this album? <laughs> but I said it's just I said it's perfect in this song as well. The only part of this song that I really don't like and it's short is the phone call part. Um, right. But um. <laughs> but after that, I like the big group chorus where it, I, I'm pretty sure there's women singing with them too on that where they kind of do the little sing along part. Yeah, uh, Tracy and Roberta. <laughs> okay, okay, Trey. Okay, well, I guess I guess you probably. <laughs> you know that we're on the live video. Yeah, they're in the live video. He introduces them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. We okay. got Tracy and Roberta here to help you. <laughs> oh man, and I and, and my last note I wrote was if I have room I will include this and I did have room I had I cut uh, when I got at the very very end I got to where I had like a, just a couple of minutes I was a couple of minutes off so uh, live and let die got cut at that point so. What do you think, right. uh, Nesbitt? I did not include the song. I think it's bloated production. I don't like the female backup singers. The thing with me is mm. Guns N' Roses, when they were the Appetite lineup on stage, yeah. it's great. The more members and stuff that you throw in and the more instruments, I think it's just overindulgence in the studio. And it just, like, I don't know. Like, a live version of this, it's also, it's, it's too long, the song. I think they should have stripped it down. Yeah. You know, the live at the Ritz version... Is good. Um, if you want to hear, also the song was recorded for the Days of Thunder soundtrack, so it was mm-hmm. recorded before the album. If oh, you listen cool. to that version, it's even worse because there's a bunch of really cheesy <laughs> Axel. He like speaks these words over. Oh gosh. Over the verses, so it'll be like, you know, he'll say something, and then I can't remember what they are now. I haven't listened to it yeah. in a long time, but it's I've really cheesy. That. It's really funny. It's like you should listen to it. Search on YouTube for Days of Thunder version of Knock on Heaven's Door, and you'll laugh at the how Axel just like (laughs) says these super cheesy like I don't know lines over it. It sounds horrible. But this song did not make the cut. I think it could have if it was like three minutes instead of five thirty six, and they stripped it down to just the bare bones. But yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say this real quick um, to uh, Roberta because she's she's I think she's a first day listener when my episodes come out. So Roberta. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I don't approve of his comments. <laughs> uh, One thing I have to say as well is there's absolutely no excuse for what they do on the live version where he's like, give me some reggae. <laughs> I know. I've never, yeah. Apparently I haven't heard that. That's horrendous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have those. I watched them. 
I actually sent you guys a picture of uh, yeah. those on VHS, yeah. and I watched them last night out in my shed. Uh, the VHS tapes of Use Your Illusion One and Two on. Uh, Golly, on I, I actually what, have. What kind of well, shed is this? You have where you have a. He's got this. You got a stereo system and a TV and a VCR out there in your shed. Golly, yeah, a cassette player and a VHS. So that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. It's called the anti-divorce shed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a uh, good one. Uh, that's why I have my upstairs area here is called the zone. So I come up to the zone. Let's <laughs> get away. Um, now the next song. Ooh, I'm gonna let uh, Fergal take this one first. It's called "Get in the Ring." It was written by. Axel Slash and Duff. It, you know, it's pretty funny. I will say this first. The songs that are really terrible don't usually have uh, Stradlin attached to them. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fergal, what do you think? Uh, yeah. So I know um, Nesbitt, I'm sure, I'm sure you were probably going to say this as well, but Axel basically robbed this off Duff. He had written a song yeah. called Why Do You Look At Me When You Hate Me? And he just took it and, and did his own thing to it. But um, I'm sure this could have been a really good song if the Duff version had st- stuck around and we got to hear that properly. But uh Funnily enough, though, when I was younger, I really loved this song, and probably because there was a lot of swearing in it and a lot of <laughs> anger and venom and whatever. But when I was younger, this was one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs, um, and I still really like it. A lot of people hate it, but I think it's such a good snapshot of Axel's paranoia and mania at the time. Mm-hmm. I-, I love when he lists all the journalists at the end, <laughs> especially uh, Bob Guccione Jr. at Spin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but if you have to, if you're looking at it objectively, it's not essential. So it was a hard choice for me, but it didn't make the cut. That was a hard choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Nesbitt, what do you think? I think it could have been like, like Fergal said, it could have been a decent song. Axel kind of ruined it. The thing I don't like is when you listen to Appetite for Destruction, it's these dirty, raunchy songs, and the band, they come off as having this, like, this aura of, like, danger, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And here they're, like, hitting you over the head with it, and I was like, I don't know, you don't have to try so hard. It's just, I don't yeah. know. It, and the whole rant at the end, the, it's funny, the Bob Guccione Jr., <laughs> um, so he, the the whole thing behind that is Guns N' Roses, when they did interviews, they made you sign a contract saying that they had final edit over the interview before you publish it. Oh, wow. And Bob Guccione actually took that contract and published the contract in his magazine. So that's what <laughs> that whole thing is about. And then afterwards, uh, Bob Guccione, I think, challenged uh, Axel to a boxing match. And then Bo- a- uh, Axel found out that he had like seven years of boxing training and then uh, <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> Man, so Vince Neil, I know Vince Neil offered that too to Axel, so. That's funny. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, that's the next song, right? Anyway, this definitely yeah. didn't make the cut for me. This is filler, overindulgence. Yeah. No. Yeah, this is what I said about it. I said, it's got a cool sounding riff. Um, it's And I think I'm surprised neither one of y'all mentioned this, and maybe I'm wrong when I say this, but isn't it Axel and Duff singing it together in the beginning? I think Duff's on there as well, yeah. And I think okay. that's really cool. I think that's really cool that, that Duff – I'm not a big fan of Duff's voice by himself, which we'll be talking about here in a, in a few minutes. But um, but I think it's really cool sound. I like I like when they mix vocalists together like that. That's pretty cool. But um, I said it's not a bad sounding song, but because of Axel going on his big rant, which is really funny, it ends up making this song just a novelty song. And um, yeah, yeah, and, I agree with that. And then the ending of the song with is that Slash? It sounds like Slash. Yeah, it, it is Slash. Yeah, that that's just sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So yeah, this definitely didn't make my cut either. So uh, the next one is 
Shotgun Blues. Uh, I think, Nesbitt, it sounded like you had something to say about this one. Uh, about, oh, yeah. This uh, is about Vince Neil, like you mentioned, of Motley Crue. Because uh, Vince Neil punched Izzy. And according to yeah. the, the Dirt book, he like knocked Vince or he knocked Izzy out. And that's basically the target of he, the song. <laughs> he must but, have put uh, his weight into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the best examples of like filler on these albums. They could, this is forgettable. I don't see yeah. any reason for this even to be on there. There's nothing. Yeah. I don't know. The thumbs uh, down from me. Trainer. Trainer. Uh, this is like I wrote, it's get in the ring light. Um, <laughs> it's so it's, it's kind of one follows the other. Like it's the same type of theme almost. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that great. I do like the line where he goes, I'm tired of the frustration of living inside of your mind. I really like that bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, no, it's not great. Um, thinking of an Iron Maiden connection, didn't like, I'm probably wrong about this now, but didn't something happen between Vince Neil and Bruce Dickinson's wife? Or isn't that how? No, that was um, that's a that, rumor. Yeah. Nikki Nikki <laughs> Six supposedly. Um, oh, Nikki Six. Yeah, Nikki Six supposedly uh, got it with uh, Bruce's wife, and that was because that because that's supposedly Mrs. Dickinson. That supposedly they said that was what Tattooed Millionaire was about. You know, talking about yeah. I remember yeah, we so, had an episode yeah, yeah. where we dug into that, and then after the episode, I think that just like left my brain again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that must be where I heard it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing about that back in back at time as well. So, um, okay. for me, it, and this is, wait a minute, let me I just double check here. Yeah, this is a Axl Rose solo, right? So, I said it's a quick paced song. I like the verses. I don't really care for the chorus. The lyrics in the song are pretty funny. Uh, it's not a horrible song, but definitely is not going to make the best of. So definitely didn't make yeah. my cut either. So yeah, it's pure Axel and pure. I don't know. Axel actually yeah. plays guitar on that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Really. Um, that's odd. Maybe that's why there's no mention of guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next song is Breakdown, and I'm sure that uh, Fergal has something good to say about this one. I think this, I've written here, lovely song. For me, the song sounds really comforting when I start listening to it. I don't know why, but it just, it does. Um, I think Axel's vocals are really warm. Uh, I love the lyrics. Um, like the phrases like off the beaten track, bites the hand that feeds. I, I find he peppers his lyrics with these really interesting phrases, things that I de- didn't necessarily understand when I was younger. But um, I, yeah, I, I just love this song. Uh, I don't know what to say, except that it's brilliant and it definitely made the cut for me. I have no idea what it's about, by the way, the yeah. song really, but um, yeah, I, maybe, I love it. Maybe being an American, I didn't catch that he made all those different references like you're talking about, the cultural reference type things, but that's pretty cool. That's a good note. Um, I said um, the whistling I could have done without. <laughs> uh, it's not a bad song, but it's not one I like a lot. I don't really care for the verses. I don't really like, I don't like that thing in the chorus where he says, break down, let me hear you now. I, don't, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's kind of, that sounds kind of a bit stupid. Yeah. Uh, another great slash solo, um, not a bad song, but I just don't like where it goes overall. And it's got a stupid ending. And I wrote, the last thing I wrote was, I will probably never listen to this song again. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. That's just, that was my note. So I must've felt strong. So Nesbitt, what do you think? Um, I agree with what you're saying with the ending, but I also think this is one of the best songs on the album. Uh, I love uh, Slash's guitar work all over this one. Great lyrics. Um, the, it's not even the meaning of the lyrics. It's just the, it's like, how do you, like the cadence of the words, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's really fun to sing along. Like, you know, when he's like, but if I call you out, I have it. I'm out of love and I got to yeah. have it. It's just gotta like, have it. Yeah. it's just <laughs> know, the way it. the words kind of roll off your tongue when you're singing along. It's just yeah. a great song. I love this one. Yeah. The ending is kind Ooh. of, yeah, weird, but I could do without that. So it, so it made your cut then? Yeah, it definitely made my cut. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you and... Uh, you and Fergal can sing along together with this song afterwards, <laughs> but, but but I'm not going to listen because I said I, I would never listen to it again. <laughs> I I also just want to say quickly, I love the line, funny how everything was roses when we held onto the guns. That's just That's beautiful. A, that poetry. is a good line. That's a good line. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. The next song is the longest song title on the album. It's called Pretty Tied Up, The Perils of Rock and Roll Decadence. And I've... This is a okay. Here I'm gonna go into this one first. Here, I said right from the get go, this one feels really catchy. Nice guitar, and then the bass intro is really cool. Really trippy stuff. I like the verses. I like the pre-chorus, and I also like the chorus. It's a great song. The chorus is almost happy sounding, but not too happy. Um, musically, this song is great. And are you surprised that this is an Izzy Stradlin solo writing credit? Another killer guitar solo from Slash as well. Great song. Absolutely made the cut for me. What about you, Trainer? I love this song, and it was one of the hardest sacrifices I had to make, <gasps> but it didn't make the cut for me. Um, I, I originally had included it, and it is only 4.48, but I had to make space, you know, when I had to narrow it down to 80 minutes or less, and it didn't make the cut, but I love it. Um, I love the opening guitar. It has that Eastern sound uh, yeah. that's on so many Iron Yeah, Maiden it's a songs. sitar, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I actually wrote, this is the closest on, on either of these two albums to an Iron Maiden song, I think. Uh, like something like Charlotte the Harlot or 22 Acacia Avenue or Hooks and You. I could imagine Bruce Dickinson in early 90s Iron Maiden singing this song. Um, I love it, hated having to cut it, but it didn't make the cut for me. That would be cool to hear Bruce singing that actually, but did y'all know that George Harrison played that sitar at the beginning? In this no. song? I don't think that's yeah. true. I think it's Izzy. <laughs> I know, I just made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was shocked you, you for a second. I, like, oh I just thought I wanted to see what y'all's reaction, because I know he used to play the sitar. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did all the time. <laughs> so uh, what do you think, Nesbitt? <laughs> um, this makes the cut because it's one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs, period. I oh, love yeah. the song. It's got that sleazy, dangerous feel like I like on the Appetite album. Kind of like Anything Goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would fit right in with there. Um, oh, yeah. I love the main riff. I love everything about the song. This is... Yeah, a 10 out of 10 for me, and it definitely made my cut. Yeah, yeah, same here. I love that one. Um, the next one, I'll let you take first, Nesbitt. It is a, a, the second song in a row with, uh, oh gosh, what I can't think of the word now, never mind. <laughs> oh, Locomotive yeah. Complicity. Um, yeah, I love, I love the verses in this song. The pre-chorus and the chorus kind of spoil it for me. It didn't make the cut. Um mm. Yeah, I don't know. The song doesn't do it for me. Okay. And this is written by uh, Axel and Slash, by the way. So Fergal, yeah, well, what do you Slash think? Slash says that oh. he brought this in complete, but Axel says that he wrote it. So there's a bit of a... Uh... I think I know who I would believe on that, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Fergal? Uh, this one did make the cut for me. Uh, I said, I love the great little bass in intro and riffing. It's so different from anything else on either of the two albums. I, I just said again, the riffing and soloing is so sharp. Um... It's almost a title track as well, where he says, you can use your illusion. Yeah. Um, and then at the 6.30 mark, where the song just completely changes and breaks down, it's almost like a completely different song. It's like, uh, it reminds me of Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, where it turns into this different song at the end, but yeah. the second part is so welcome. Uh, I've just written here, Essential. This made my cut. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
I said cool drum intro, killer sounding riff. The verses are good. The pre-chorus is good. The chorus is cool too. Uh, the the riff in the song that it's all over the place in the song, and it it really to me it carries the song. It's really really awesome. Uh, of course, that like you said, that's where we get the album title. You can use your illusion. Let it take take you where it may. Um, and then I, at the end of the song, the last two minutes, like you said, it's a whole different section. It sounds like it could have been the basis for another song. It's similar to November Rain. This is another one where. As far as mm. something that could have been a great song, you know, that the, the ending of it. So this absolutely made my cut as well. So um, <clears throat> next song up, um, I'll take this next one first. It's called So Fine, and it was written solo by Duff. Uh, the very, and I don't know if y'all agree with this, but the very, very opening, the beginning of the opening riff sounds a little bit like Knocking on Heaven's Door just for a second. Um, I don't really like this song. I don't like most of Duff's vocals, um, his bass playing. He's a great bass player, but not a great vocalist. Um, the guitar solo is very bluesy and incredibly great. Again, um, to me, this song is mostly filler though. No way would this song have made it onto a one song album and it won't make it on mine either. So what? <laughs> okay. Nesbitt, it's your turn now. Go ahead. I love the song. So <laughs> growing up, I loved Duff, uh, Duff, and I thought he was the coolest. And when I heard him singing on this, I was like, this is so cool. I love, I just latched onto it because of the Duff vocals. I love Duff's vocals. And I mean, <laughs> when Duff first put his first solo album out, Believe in Me, yeah, uh, which actually turned out to be really bad. But uh, I bought that the day it came out. And that kind of made me rethink the Duff, whole Duff thing. <laughs> but uh, I'm a huge Duff fan. I love his voice. I have his Loaded albums. I remember tracking down his Neurotic Outsiders thing that he had on the go. Yeah. Um, that Dark Days album that he did as Loaded is great. Um, I love Duff's, his whole, I don't know, his his the way he delivers his vocals, his songwriting. And this is pure Duff. I love it. Even though it has those Dizzy Reed pianos on it that I hate. Um, I love the way that Duff just sings. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, he's like, my friends, they always come through for me. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so cool. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's four minutes. It's not too long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. This is like totally made my cut. It's one of my favorites on these two albums. Now, I will say this. While you were talking, I was thinking of, because there's, I do like, there's a certain part of Duff's vocals that I don't mind during the song when he gets a little more, like, you know, not the beginning of it, where it's, how could she look so good? I don't, hate, I don't yeah. like all that, but I, I don't know if you're familiar with the song by Alice uh, Cooper called Take It Like a Woman. I'm not. Yeah. But there's bits of the way the way he sings, the way Dove sings when it gets a little more up-tempo, where it reminds me of, of that song. So that aside, um, Mr. Feckin, what do you think? Mr. Feckin, <laughs> uh, I have said here um, that it's the best of those three songs I mentioned earlier, yesterday's in 14 years. And uh, when I was coming up with the actual final track list for the album, I was also thinking of variety as well as everything else. So you sure. need the different styles of songs in there. So this one stayed in for me, but I've always loved this song. I love Duff's okay. vocals in this. Now, Even if he does mumble and slur the words, story of the man or story of a man into one word, star man. But uh, <laughs> this stays in it for me. I love this song. Yeah, and I, it's a, it's so emotional and it's heartfelt. There's more depth to it than yesterday's or 14 years. I think that's what I was gonna say. Is it's very like from the heart of Duff. It sounds very like I don't know what the word is. Duff sounds very authentic when he sings. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like he really authentic. It, yeah. yeah, and sure. it's funny because I never put this together with yesterday's and 14 years. But now that you say it, yeah, those three songs together. Hmm. 
they are totally mm. similar in the same feel. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're just all going to have to, y'all going to have to just disagree with me on that. Cause I think those are the two <laughs> songs are good. And, but, but when you said about variety, that's one reason I included bad obsession because, okay. right. because it's definitely different from a lot of what else is on the album. But, um, next song we got is Mr. Uh, Mr. Feckin' Fergal Trainer, I'm going to let you take this one first. It's called Estranged, and it's another solo rider by Axl Rose. Yeah, I absolutely love this song. It's one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs ever, maybe in my top five. Uh, it's top tier on these two albums with Civil War and November Rain. It's just a beautiful ballad. Um, I said Slash even eclipses the f- fantastic guitar he was playing on Civil War. Axl's vocals and lyrics are perfect. Um, from the moment where he says... When I find all of the reasons. Mm-hmm. It's another example of where a Guns N' Roses song just completely changes, but it's a welcome change. It's yeah. like Rocket Queen in that way, uh, but better. Essential, Desert Island Illusion. Wow, wow. Now, for me, I don't. I agree with everything you just said, and I, but I don't have a whole lot written down. But uh, this is what I, I just said. The intro is great. The soloing after it, like you said, Slash's soloing on this song is incredible. Um, the verses after that are great, too. I said, this is another perfect song on the album Nesbit. yeah i would and agree I, it's weird that that slash doesn't have a rating credit on this one because his yeah, solos are yeah. pretty much what make the song like mm-hmm, you know what i mean yeah. and i mean it's about loneliness and slash's solos just totally sum up that feeling perfectly yeah. you know what i mean it's just uh it's awesome and i love those little volume swells he does in the middle like he's just basically using the volume knob oh yeah yeah. Sw- yeah and man the guitar playing on this is insane and axel singing on this too he has like Oh, yeah. He uses all of his voices, that high raspy one, the soft one, and the nasally one. You know how he has all these different vocal styles? Yeah. And he uses them all in yeah. the song. And yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that's an amazing song. And it finishes off that trilogy of Don't Cry, November Rain, and Estranged. So I have to include all three of those in my mix. It's the oh, best Nesbitt, epic after November you're gonna, Rain. You're going to kick my ass in a minute. You're, 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 <laughs> right, about, you're right about those swells, though, because like when he starts the solo, it's like it kind of goes... Wow, da, 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 da. Oh yeah. man, so awesome! Such a great song, um, Nesbit. You're going to take the next song. It is a Axl Rose, Izzy Stradlin, right? It is "You Could Be Mine." What do you think? Oh, I love this. Ten out of ten. This goes back to the Appetite days, and I think Izzy basically wrote it in '88. I think oh, it wow. was or- originally called "Cocaine Talking." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, I had this on a cassette single before the album came out. And I remember the video came out and it was on the yeah. Terminator. Remember the Terminator? Tr- yeah. It isn't actually on the Terminator 2 soundtrack, but yeah, but they the made film. a video with them though. And I remember I was like obsessed with the Terminator coming back and obsessed with Guns N' Roses coming back. And they're both together in this video. And I was just like, I remember I taped the video and I remember watching it over and over again and just like being like super hyped up for Terminator 2 and Guns N' Roses. And, uh, I love that, uh, you know, I, we're not supposed to swear. You can bleep this out, but you know that with your slap rapping and your cocaine tongue, you get nothing done. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the coolest like lyrics in. Oh yeah, you know, I don't oh know. yeah. And it's it that's is. actually printed inside the album art for Appetite for Destruction. Yes, so, is it really? I didn't yeah. see that. Mm. I never. And this a hundred percent, a hundred percent has to be on the uh, on the album for me. Oh yeah, yeah. For me, I said killer intro the bass sounds awesome and then that killer riff comes in as well maybe i should use a different word here killer intro the bass sounds awesome and then the deadly riff comes in oh there you go <laughs> give it we'll give josh a nod here um 
I said, this song rocks mightily. The verses are great. The lyrics are great, too. The chorus is great. Not much else needs to be said. This is another perfect song. Absolutely makes my cut. Fergal. Yeah, this makes my cut as well. I said it's a, a powerful, aggressive rocker. It's fast, furious, great swagger to it. Uh, it clearly belongs on Appetite for Destruction. And I know it was written back then. You'd wonder why they didn't put it on. Yeah. Um, and from 4.40 and onwards, when he's going... Um, uh, what does he say? What's how does that start? You've been you know, sketching too the, many times. That part, Is yeah. That the part? Or he's like, uh, why don't you give it a rest? Remember, but he just goes on brain. It don't matter how end. you make it, but you only yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. You push your the same, oh, that yeah. yeah, that that is just fantastic. I love the vocal delivery there, but the whole song is brilliant and it's just it's it's perfect essential Guns and Roses and has to be on. Yeah, that's gonna be there. All right, yeah. Okay, so the next song I'm gonna have. Oh, sorry. Before we move on, there's one thing that always bugged me about it being linked with Terminator 2. The lyrics are in no way linked <laughs> to the Terminator storyline. I don't understand why they chose this. Like, I can't, even in the scrapiest of barrel scrapes, understand why this song was I linked to Terminator you. 2. I can okay. tell you. Because if you're the Terminator 2 and you're trying to promote your movie, why would you not connect with a song that, no matter if it has anything to do with it, is <laughs> just an incredible, incredible song, you know? I know, but it's just like it's yeah. I know, but it's like there's I can't find any link in the lyrics or anything to to Terminator whatsoever. But anyway, it's aggressive. Maybe that's it. Maybe the Terminator was <laughs> yeah. aggressive. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Nesbitt has, has some info here. Yeah, um, absolutely. I forgot. Go ahead. Nesbitt. I think it's just like the one of the biggest movies, like a blockbuster coming out, and then the most anticipated movies, and one of the most anticipated bands having. You know what I mean? Right. And it was just a crossover. Yeah. I think I read a story. Okay. I might be wrong, but I think Arnold Schwarzenegger had the band over to his house for dinner and talked to them about putting the song on the Ah, that's probably it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We'll let, we let it. I think matter, I remember. Matter of fact, Nesbitt was there. He remembers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So the next one, uh, Mr. Trainer, I'm going to let you take this first. It's called Don't Cry with Alternative Lyrics. Okay, so this is my most controversial choice. Uh, you'll remember earlier that I didn't include mm-hmm. Don't Cry original lyrics. And my plan was to include this one because I've always, always preferred this one. Um, okay. And the reason is because there's a little bit of a different melody in it when he sings the line, And when you're with me, there's someone by that won't deny you. Or something like that. I can't remember yeah. the lyrics exactly. But I always loved that bit of it. That's not in the other version of the song. But when I got down to timing the album, I realized that I I can't really fit on Don't Cry. And I also realized that out of the four ballads, and I'm I'm including Civil War, so I'm saying Civil War, November Rain, Estranged, and Don't Cry. To me, this is my least favorite of those four. And in the interest of an album that flows and doesn't contain too many ballads, this one had to go, even though I love it. And it's one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs. I had to cut it. Wow. Wow. That's surprising. That's surprising. So, uh, Nesbitt, what do you think? Um... I'm like, we have the original, which I already put on, so I'm not going to put this one on. I'm mean, like, why do we need two versions? This could have been a B-side or something. Like, I don't know why they need to put the song out twice. I do agree. That one part, Fergal, that you just mentioned with the, the melody, yeah. that's my favorite part of this. And I don't really have a preference, but I went with the original lyrics just because that's the more iconic one, the one that the video was of. And if I'm making a yeah, one yeah. CD version out of these two albums, I'm going to pick that, you know. I, I I originally wanted to put this. I, I originally wanted to put both songs on, but have them each <laughs> have have each one like one close outside one and one close outside two. But I just didn't have enough time, and I just thought I can't I can't justify it. But um, alt, it's got alternate lyrics, obviously, it, and it sang at a little bit of a different pace, like you said. Um, and like 
it's like what Nesbitt said. I'm so used to the, the the lyrics from the single and the video that these just kind of sound weird. But but they're in, they're interesting. There's that one line where it says, "I was the one who was washing blood off your hands." I think that's pretty yeah, yeah. pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, but the you know the chorus is exactly the same. All the little ow, all those little things are exactly the same. Um, but yeah, the familiarity with the lyrics is what made me choose the other one. But you know, but it's a good song. Uh, yeah, it was. And I, I feel bad to Dell James for uh, breaking up his trilogy there. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dell. That's okay. I'm sure he'll live. They really should have released "Don't Cry" as a single and then released the alternative version as the B side. <laughs> Just have, have you guys ever read that "Without You" story by Dell James? No, no, no. Oh, it's kind of. I've read it like years ago. It's because uh, I was kind of obsessed with what's going on in this November Rain video, and in the story that's based off the bride or the, well he's she's not the bride in the in the story but she basically she kills her shoots herself in the head oh, wow. so i'm not sure how that ties into the illusion thing and the guy diving through the wedding cake but anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's that, kind of inspired by more than based on but i i was thought i would get my answers when i read that story but i didn't that that makes as <laughs> that makes as much sense as having you could be mine in terminator 2 right <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, now now for what I'm going to guess is Nesbitt's album closer, we're going to go to My World. Nesbitt? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know where to start with this one. <laughs> Slash refused to add guitars to it. Izzy hated it. Duff said he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second worst Guns N' Roses song, Guns N Roses song of all time. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, you know what the next question is. What's the so, worst? <laughs> The worst is Oh My God from the End of Days soundtrack. They're, ah, they're, no. they're both zeros out of 10. This one is, <laughs> is less bad because it's shorter. It's okay. less, less I, torture. To me. I think actually Oh My God has a great chorus. Oh God. Won't you open your eyes and you come to your own compromise? It's not, that's not bad at all. Oh, man. That song's horrible. I can't. <laughs> I think Axel was thinking, well, I know he did this by himself in the studio one night. Um. I think it's Axel kind of thinking the future of metal is like ministry and nine inch nails. And it, you know what I mean? And I mean, that kind of bleeds yeah. through when you hear Chinese democracy, especially the demos of Chinese democracy. Um, mm. It has hints of that. Um, I don't know, man. Like, and you know, he like nine inch nails he used to wear that nine inch nail shirt on stage. <laughs> um, he's, I don't know. He, I, it's an experiment. I don't need to hear. It's, it's, it's painful to listen to, and I, f- I forgot how bad it was because I haven't listened to this for, like, easily, easily 10, 15 years since I listened to this <laughs> song. And when I listened to it all, all the way through, I forgot about that last half. It's so bad. It's just terrible. Yeah. It leaves a bad <laughs> taste in your mouth when you're done listening to these albums. It's like, ugh. <laughs> I, see, I had always heard that the band did not even know that the song existed until the album came out. That's what I had always heard, but I guess maybe that wasn't true. Well, Axel kind of did it by himself in the studio. I also read a story, an interview with him where he said he did mushrooms, but I don't know if that's true or if he was just like, he's, yeah, I read where he said everybody in the studio was on mushrooms. Is what he yeah. Said. But Which I makes don't know sense. How, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I know Izzy hated it and slash refused to add guitars to it. He was like, no. Okay. So maybe he knew associated with a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, well. I said, this song is a joke. Uh, what a horrible way to end the album, especially after the last three good songs. So, yeah, this one, you know what? The very first um, 
list of songs that I put together, I had two minutes left <laughs> and and I put it on there. <laughs> and then I just got to the end and I just didn't have actually I think I did have two minutes left. I should have put it on there. <laughs> just because Nesbitt said if any one of y'all picks this, I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh uh hold on. Ne- uh, Fergal, uh trainer, uh Fekin, what do you think? <laughs> well, in a in a move that may surprise everybody. No, money job. Yeah. Uh, yes. Click. <laughs> this is this is unlistenable, is what I've written. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that they were trying to do something different, or at least Axel was, but this is awful stuff, and I don't know how it could make anyone's list of anything, uh, yeah. unless it was the worst songs of all time. Uh, I do think the worst Guns N' Roses song of all time, even though it's a cover, is Down on the Farm, though. I'd, <gasps> I'd give, what? I'd give That's not so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. I love, oh, yeah. I I love Down on the Farm. That's- I hate when he tries to do the accent. Oh, my God. It makes my skin crawl. <laughs> It's, it's almost like someone doing a Texas accent when they're from Ireland. <laughs> well, I also, that's all, something all, you were talking about, the Rolling most. Stones earlier. And that's something that always annoyed me is there's a few Stone songs where Mick Jagger tries to put on this like country American accent. Uh, and I, it, oh, that always really bothered me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. I can't yeah. believe you don't like that. I don't, um, that album, the Spaghetti Incident album, I don't like a lot that's on that album, but Down on the Farm is one of the songs I love because it's just so aggressive. The lyrics are funny. some good stuff on it. That Spaghetti Incident has it, some decent stuff on it. I listened to it again, but the chorus haunts me in my dreams. Yeah, <laughs> I feel just like a vegetable because he's doing that down here on the farm. <laughs> uh, stop it. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. Um, anyway, so that's a that's another episode at another time, I guess. Um, I think this might have been My World was kind of like a power move by Rose. He's like, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna close the album with this song that I made up by myself without the other guys. Just to, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, a very bad power move, but it was almost prophetic for what happened afterwards. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't need any of you. All right then. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what we can do next is my songs are pretty much all in order of the way they appear on the album anyway. But um, if you want to, if each one of us just wants to read through our list of songs real quick. Oh man, I took a lot of time to sequence it. So the the order of the songs, I like sweated over. (laughs) I I, I will say this. Originally, I did not have Right Next Door to Hell on my album. And so my album opener at that point was You Could Be Mine because I thought it's got to be something really aggressive. And I did have things Mm. moved around. I had a different closing song. Um, But the closing song that I had was Coma because it was just like an epic ending song. Yeah, but then coma didn't make my cut in the end, so I, so then I just thought, you know what? Whoever sequenced the album knows what they're doing more than me. So what was it, Mike? Who produced this album? It wasn't Mike Clink, was it? It was, yeah. Oh, okay. He did this one too. Okay, so okay. Well, since yours sounds to be the most interesting, Nesbit, why don't you go first? All right. I don't know if it's that much more interesting, but okay. So I opened <laughs> opened with right next door to hell. I thought that was yeah. a good opener. And then right into You Could Be Mine, because you got that one-two punch. Sure. Mm. Slow it down a little bit with Civil War, which is kind of an epic. And then after that- Oh, wow. Right into Don't Damn Me, and then into Don't Cry, Double Talk and Jive, and then Estranged. Come Mm. out of Estranged into Yesterday's, Back Off Bitch, Pretty Tied Up, Dead Horse, Breakdown, and then So Fine in November Rain to close it out. You closed it out with November Rain, okay. I did. I thought that wow. would be a good way to end the album. Okay. Epic closer, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I think what I, about that's you? Just from the Maiden playbook to use your long song as the closer. <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. That's that's it. I thought Coma would have been a good one because it was it was 
that went in a lot of places. To me, November Rain doesn't seem like a good closer just because it's too well. No, you know what? It does have that that extra bit on the end of it, so I could see that that would make, that would make it good. Never mind, Mister hmm. uh, Feckin Fergal Trainer. Uh, um, there's a lot of similarities between mine and yours, Nesbitt. I know you had sent me yours before, but I only looked at it once and I never looked at it again, so I wasn't influenced by it. But I did. <laughs> um, I did. I started off mine with "Back Off" because I just think it's one of the most aggressive songs, and I just love the riff. And like the minute you hear that, you you know you're listening to Guns and Roses. I think so. Uh, and then I did "You Could Be Mine" next as well. I was thinking the exact same one-two punch. Um, after that, number three is "Live and Let Die." I kind of think it's a crossover between a ballad and a hard rock song, so I just wanted to change the mood a little. Uh, and then I went into "Breakdown," which is a quite a mood changer. I think after that, um, then to lift it back up again, went into "Don't Damn Me." Uh, but right in the middle, I've put November Rain. To me, that's kind of like the centerpiece of the album. That's how I would view that song. Um, and then to kind of pick it back up again after that, I went into Dead Horse, followed by Civil War. Um, but then consciously wanted to put in So Fine somewhere that wasn't um, out of place. So I stuck <laughs> So Fine in between Civil War and Locomotive. Uh, and then the second last song on the album was Estranged. And then I couldn't think of any other song to finish it with other than Coma. So Coma is the last song on the album. Oh, wow. It comes in, it's 79 minutes. That's, see, that, that was one of the things that I thought was, I tried to, I, when I was when I was putting it together, I was trying to split some of the longer songs up. So you ended it with Estranged and then Coma. So like 20 minutes in the last two songs. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's so hard. Like So you've got Coma, Estranged, Civil War, November Rain, and even Breakdown is kind of long as well. So like you yeah. kind of find places on the album for all of those. And it's hard not to kind of sequence a couple of them in a row at some point. It's just because you're thinking of the styles as well. You want to separate the styles. Like So I thought like Estranged and Coma are about long, but they're very different from one another. Okay. But I thought you had uh, sent me a message saying that you based your entire song selections off of the list that Nesbitt had sent you. Oh, there was that as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now- I'm looking at my list, though. I think I might have changed some of the order of these songs up to break up to not have a long eight or nine minute song with another one, but I, I can't. So my order of songs, I kind of went right in order with, uh, I didn't think, because I wanted to do a one-two punch as well, but then I thought, you know what? Both of the albums had the Izzy song second, Dustin Bones and 14 Years, and since I included both of them, I thought side one is going to do, I mean, it's going to be the same way for me. So, so I opened with Right Next Door to Hell, Dustin Bones. Don't cry, bad obsession, back off, dirty, dirty, double talking jive, and then ended side one with the garden. I didn't, I didn't time those out to make sure that would make one full side, but, uh, but there's, I think it's even amount of songs close to it. So side two would start with civil war, uh, 14 years. And then this is, I think where maybe my, my order changed a little bit. I have locomotive after 14 years, and then I have knocking on heaven's door. And then I have Pretty Tied Up, The Perils of the Rock and Roll Decadence, <laughs> and uh, Estranged. And then I closed my album. And maybe I just didn't do this in order, right? But maybe I thought this was a good way to end it was You Could Be Mine. I ended it with a killer song. So That's cool. By the way, I should say, Nesbitt sent me his list after listening to my episode when I said I'd never do it. It was before you asked me to do this. So it wasn't like, here's my list. What are you going to choose for yours? <laughs> yeah, I remember you told me that. You said... Because I, I, when I asked him about that, he goes, because he goes, well, I don't know, because I said I was going to have Nesbitt, because I said I know he always talked about liking Guns N' Roses so much. He goes, well, I have already seen his list, so. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually change anything from that Nesbitt? Or yeah, so what happened is you, oh, you did. probably, God, years ago, 
I came up with the one CD version of these albums. And I did a graphic up for it and everything and uh, <laughs> forgot about it. And then I heard Fergal talking about it on his podcast. And I was like, do I still have that image? And I found it and I sent it to him. And I was like, I did yeah. this years ago. So then when uh, this popped funny. up, I went through and I was like, okay, this, I listened to them all again. And I was like, I, I went through and I was, I almost swapped a couple of songs out. But then I ended up sticking with the same list that I did years ago, which is, uh, I didn't okay. think I was going to. There's a couple there that was like, I almost cut so fine. Um, and there's one or two other ones that I almost did. But then when I listened to them, I was like, no, I'm going to, I didn't end up making any changes. So I had this done a while ago. I even also made a uh, a version that fits on a double vinyl, which is different, differently sequenced with a couple of tracks swapped in and out to make space to fill up the amount of time that you fit on four sides of vinyl. But mm. I don't have that in front of me now. <laughs> I actually do have it in front of me. You sent me down. Oh, no. I'm not going to have here. You, you know. Will I read it out? <laughs> uh, trainer, do you do you think, like, when I listen to all the all the research and everything that Nesbitt does, I always think, mm. Josh got it so good. He had the perfect co-host, you know? <laughs> I, always, I always, when I talk to people, I, I say, I say, Nesbitt... <laughs> No offense to Josh if he listens to this. I said Nesbitt did all the work and Josh just showed up to drink beer and make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, it wouldn't have worked if somebody else didn't show up to drink beer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he was essential yeah. too. So, yeah. but uh, and he had funny bits that it came up again and again, like controversy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, was, Josh is what made it entertaining, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you just have all facts, it wouldn't have been. It yeah. would have been. I mean, Josh. Yeah, he was. You got to have a comedian mixed in too, so it's got to be colorful. So, but um, yeah. well, guys, I got to say to each one of you, I appreciate you a taking the time, being willing to come on here and do this, and um, I oh, think I this w- is going to be an interesting episode for sure for people to hear. So, I got one Any more last closing uh, words. Oh, yeah, ahead. one more fact. Uh, in 1998, Geffen Records put out a. A Walmart exclusive best of Use Your Illusions album. So there actually is oh. a one CD version or a one album version of these two put out officially by yeah. the record company. And, and I'll you give have you the it. No, I don't, but here's the I have the the track listing. So they went with Live and Left Let Die, Don't Cry, You Ain't the First, November Rain, The Garden, Dead Horse Civil War, 14 Years Yesterday's Knocking on Heaven's Door, Estranged, and Don't Cry alt lyrics. So both don't cry. Huh. And most of the ballads. No yeah, so. And th- they had the artwork, which was like diagonally split between the two album covers, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember seeing that. All right. Yeah. Hey, send me your uh, send me your artwork, and and if you don't if you don't care, maybe I'll use it for the uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that'll be that'll be an interesting little nugget for people. So, well, guys, uh, we are at almost two hours, which that's that's pretty good considering all that we went through here. So we went through thirty songs in two hours, and not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could yeah, could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I do appreciate it, guys, and um, oh wait. Last thing, last thing. Each one of you, please share what you're doing now and where people can find you. Nesbitt? Oh, yeah. I'm doing the uh, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. So you can go to nightdemon.net or you can just look for it on, you know, the usual places. And Fergal. Yeah, I'm doing uh, Feckin' Metal 
and the Feckin' Check-In, and both of them are part of the Feckin' Check-In podcast network, which is available on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you find your podcasts. Um, and you can reach me at Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter, which is where I talk about heavy metal the most. Uh, so yeah. that's the best place to find me. And I have one question for Nesbitt. Um, is it going to take a new studio album to get another episode of Talking Maiden? Or would anything oh. would would anything else constitute a reunion? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's out of the question. I don't know. We'll have to discuss with Josh. <laughs> uh, I, I can say this. I did ask Josh. Um, I asked Josh uh, to do a, a little thing for my Christmas episode. I said, hey, man, can you just give me a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year kind of thing or whatever? And he said, I'm not doing anything on any podcast. And then he and I was like, oh, that's cool, man. He goes, hey, he goes, I won't even go on Nesbitt's podcast. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'll guys. Keep wor- I'll keep working on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I decided I'd, I'd quit at that point. I said, I don't, I don't have enough of a connection with him to, uh, to push. But he did tell me at one point, he said, maybe. He gave me a maybe once. So, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, anyway, guys, I do really appreciate it. Uh, and this will we'll be, be out in a few weeks. So. Very good. Wait. Can I say finally, um, yeah. if you haven't listened to Chinese Democracy in a few years, give it another chance. It's 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 good and it's worth your time. If you dismissed it when it came out back in 2008 and you haven't listened to it since then, give it another go. It's not a bad album. Okay, cool deal. I'll have to do that because I've only, I think I've only listened to it once ever. <laughs> so. All right. All right, guys. Well, y'all take care and thank you very much and we will talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. It's been great. Uh, appreciate it. And talk again soon. Yeah, All right. that was really I, fun. Yeah, thanks, man. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed our breakdown. Let me hear it now. Our breakdown of the two Use Your Illusion albums into one great Use Your Illusion album. We are all going to be curious to hear which one of our CD albums you found the best and which you found the worst. Once again, I must say thank you to Nesbitt and Trainer for both taking the time to get their research together and come and talk with me. So on behalf of myself, Nesbitt and Fergal,
I think I won. 